She sounds great. Blog Talk Radio. Ten years ago, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire... Welcome to another Big Fake Radio Show. Joining me as always, new Larry, Kevin Jank. Jank, you're back. Are you with me? I am back, and I'm ready to do the dance of the three snakes. <laughs> yes, that's a reference to the movie <laughs> we'll be watching later tonight. But uh, yeah, Jank was in Washington last week. He's back. We'll hear all about his trip in uh, hour two. And we'll also be watching the film Hell Comes to Frogtown. <laughs> Hell Comes to Frogtown. Yeah. Classic. And I, I, the classic people. And I know right our, uh, I'm sure our guest this evening would also like to talk about that film. I'm sure he's a big fan. But uh, <laughs> let me see. I, I know I have his uh, theme song here somewhere. If I can remember how the alphabet works, I think here it is. <laughs> and our guest is a show favorite. He is mm-hmm. a former New York City police officer, private detective, a writer, and my personal writing mentor. Ladies and gentlemen, Pat Piccarelli. Thank you so much for having me on once again. Yes, it's an honor, Pat. And you got here early, Pat. Introduce me. You called a couple minutes early. I I didn't want to confuse you guys, but anyway, uh, you you have to introduce me to tonight's co-host. I've never met him. Yes, this is our old buddy Kevin Jank. Jank, the great Pat Piccarelli. Kevin, Pat, how are it's you? It's a pleasure to meet you. Same I'm pretty here. good. Can't complain. Good, good. I could, but nobody will listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> Pat, uh, Larry's taking a break from the show. Well, you know, he may be on the run from status, the law. Well, his status and his level of fame, every now and then you have to take a step back and reevaluate yeah. yourself so you don't get lost in your own head. So I, I can see why he's uh, taking a breather. Yeah, I mean, it's exhausting. He he lives life in the fact. Oh, got to be. Got to yeah. be. I mean, uh, yeah. A lot of yeah, we got as many listeners as this show has. Like, you got a lot of pressure on you. <laughs> That's right. I don't know how he keeps up with himself. Uh, <laughs> Hard to believe. Yeah. But, Pat, speaking of radio shows, now I never heard back from you. Did you start a new radio show? Because we were talking that uh, well, you had a new yeah, radio Well, yeah, I, I have to be very careful about this uh, because we haven't signed the contract yet. Oh. Uh, however... We, we did do the first one. We got the proposal. All the paperwork is there. But uh, the next time I am on your show, I will be part of a huge radio network, which yeah. has to go unnamed until we sign. Right. Uh, apparently, uh, wow. my podcast, I have a podcast called The Hollywood Godfather, which I uh, share co-hosting duties with Gianni Russo, who played Carlo Rizzi in The Godfather. For those of you who have been living under a rock, that's, that's a movie. And uh, yeah. <laughs> he uh, he played uh, the bad son-in-law who gets Sonny whacked and marries Don Vito Corleone's daughter. So yes. he's the co-host along with Megan Horan, who uh, handles all our uh, uh, 
social networking and uh, newsletters, and uh, she she's a, a good voice for the show. And she looks a lot better than Gianni and I do, so uh, people tune in actually to hear and see her. Uh, they don't give a shit about us. Uh, we're also simulcast on YouTube. So we're, we're in about 150 episodes so far, so whoever wants to listen, you are welcome. And this new radio venture, when it happens, it'll be Hollywood Godfather on radio. Yes, it'll be right. the same. It'll be the same podcast. It'll still be on uh, iTunes and Spotify. It'll still be on YouTube, but it's going to be extended to another uh, venue. But I, I can talk about that when it when it actually happens, even though yeah. we're in the process of doing this show anyway. But I was yeah, told not to say anything until the contract. Yeah, because you, yeah. you when we, we were talking, you didn't want to jinx anything, you know. But uh, no, 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 now it's a question of legality. I, we can't say anything until we sign. Uh, but it's it's going to be big, really big. <laughs> well, congratulations. That's my, that's, that that's, that's my Ed Sullivan imitation. That's that's the yeah. that's one of the few uh, imitations I do. Okay, so that's all the work. <laughs> you have others? Oh yes, I do. Uh, Boris Karloff speaking Italian. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> oh, this will be okay. good. Okay. Okay, here it comes antipasto. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> I, I, I also do Walter Brennan. I also do oh, Walter I, Brennan cursing, but I, 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 that's really, really bad. I actually love. So, you know, well, the children, children may be listening. When I was a little kid. Oh, well, Walter Brennan. Uh, yeah, what was that show he was on? The Real McCoys, right? The Real McCoys. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah. He was Grandpa. That's right. Casting, man. You know, well, Walter Brennan is a factoid. He he won three Academy Awards for Best Actor. What, no, best uh, actor what did he win it for? I can't even remember. I, I think uh, Judge Roy Bean was one of them, and the other two are lost to history. We're talking about 1930 movies, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but he's the only actor ever that went uh, best actor and best supporting actor three times. Yeah, I'm sure. And Jank everybody's scratching their heads who was listening to this. Yeah, let's exactly. check with Jenks. Walter <laughs> who? Jenks in his 30s. Do you know who Walter Brennan is? <laughs> Can't say that I do, unless I want to All tell right. a lie. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, but well, when the show's really over, uh, uh, Google him, and uh, he's a fascinating man. Uh, he had he, a unique he, way well, of speaking. Some scholarly research. Yeah, he had a unique yeah, he became, way of uh, he, Yeah, he, he, he broke into the game and became famous, actually, when he was in his 70s. <laughs> wow. So uh, there, was still hope, there, there was still hope for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm just pacing myself. <laughs> You know, yeah, thirty years. Uh, they, 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 they entered, the, or, or they became famous very late in life. But Sydney Green Street was uh, the uh, the antagonist in the Maltese Falcon. Those of you who remember that uh, movie, Sydney Green Street, yeah, yeah, he was yeah. great. That one, also, he's also in Casablanca. Oh, oh. He had a little scene there in Casablanca that, as well. That, that, that too. Uh, and he he did. They also played the Nero Wolf on the radio. That's you know, right. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of. You. I'm a font of useless information. I love that Nero Wolf show. We talked about that before when we yeah. did our talk yeah, yeah, radio. Yeah, I'm a big fan of big fan of the books. Also, I've read and reread the books numerous times. He's uh, Rex Stout, who was the author. Uh, he, he just was a phenomenal writer, and uh, he stuck the mysteries. That's what he did. He did them very well. Well, Pat, uh, tonight on the big show. The big well, show. later I don't. Know, you heard me mention we're going to be watching Hell Comes to Frogtown. 
Have you ever seen that? Uh, uh, no, I'm afraid I've never even heard of it. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it won some Academy Awards as well. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure check that out. Maybe it'll be on my uh, in my top fifty somewhere. It, it stars uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper, the old wrestler. Do you remember that guy? Yeah, sure, sure certainly, yeah. Yeah, but uh, here in the first uh, we'll hour, I wanted you to come on. I wanted to talk some uh, Doc Savage with you. But you're like, hey, I don't remember that one know, Doc Savage. Yeah, go ahead. Well, as you know, I, I, I am an expert on uh, useless information that nobody really gives a damn about. And the Doc Savage may be uh, one of those subjects because uh, he's kind of lost – <laughs> he's kind of lost the history, you know. I mean, uh, well, uh, Doc Savage. You want, you want to start off, Michael? Shall I just jump into it? Well, yeah. Let, let's save the Doc Savage because I want to build our way up to him. But uh, just so you know, okay, Pat, uh, one one Dwayne the Rock Johnson is. I think I they're still planning to do a, a Doc Savage TV show. Well, it started out as a Doc Savage wow. movie yes. uh, in 2016. And then uh, recently they switched over to a TV show, but I really doubt he will be doing it because I don't think he can commit himself to a weekly show. You know, uh, yeah, he, he's uh, the highest paid actor in Hollywood now. I mean, uh, it's, it's the Hollywood well, actor, but celebrity, I don't know. I mean, even, even he says, I don't know how people can call me an actor, but I mean, everything he does, he does well. But uh, the, the, the show has been green-lighted since 19, uh, 19, since 2016. Yeah, well, nowadays with so services and whatnot, you can have a, eight episode seasons, and you know, so he can knock it out quick. And, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So uh, he's doing that. So he'd be. Uh, That's right. He'd be uh, good. Only he'd have to get long. He'd have to get long blonde hair for the part. Well, he'd have to get hair for the part for one. And, well, uh, and uh, that hair would have to be long and blonde. Well, he didn't have long. Uh, he had like. It depends on which depiction you take of Doc Savage. Uh, the early days, he had like a. Longer, normal length hair, but then uh, more recently they were drawing him in the comic books and stuff with a really close cropped blonde hair, like uh, close to his. Well, in a, 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 a 1975 movie, which was, uh, you know, it, it, that movie was up there with the Plan Nine from Outer Space. If, if you've ever seen that, <laughs> uh, I mean, they, it, it takes not. place in in the 19 in the 1930s, and they drive around in 1970s cars. You know, yeah, I mean, was, anyway, uh, Ron, Ron Eli, uh, who was a uh, at one time a Tarzan, he depicted uh, Doc Savage as having uh, almost shoulder-length blonde hair. Yeah. Uh, so uh, anyway, it's it's not you know it's it's the character himself. You know, Doc Savage. Well, anyway, you you want to get to him later, you said, right? Well, yeah. Let's build our way up because you you said you weren't so sure okay. how much you could uh, talk about the Doc Savage. So. I figured, oh, let's do our top 11 greatest pulp heroes from the pulp fiction days of the... Uh, okay, well, I, 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 since we spoke, I refreshed my memory. I, uh, I did a lot of research. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much up to, you know, every, once I started to read, I said, yeah, I, I, I recall it now, you know. And uh, so All right, yeah, well, I'm, I'm up to Doc. I can, I, can, I can knock them around. But as far as uh, pulp fiction heroes, yeah, I have a few. Yeah. Okay, and, uh, I, I have Jane. more... Oh, go ahead, Pat. I said I have more heroes that were writers of Pulp Fiction than I do the actual characters, who not too many people remember. Uh, but the writers they remember. I mean, yeah, you know, I like considering. To, I'd like to go back and read some of the. Because, you know, I've been uh, experiencing Doc Savage lately, but I'd like to go back and read some of these other ones just to get a feel for them. 
Well, uh, I'm a big fan of the spider. Uh, he, hey, he, we'll he was one of my. We'll talk about him in okay. a minute. Okay. Yeah. yeah, we'll go. But uh, Jank uh, is a big comic book expert. And Jank, a lot of these uh, pulp heroes here, they inspire comic book characters later on. You'll see that basically every popular comic book character today stole from these pulp heroes <laughs> when you get right down to it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, oh, no, you're going to yeah. throw Stanley under uh, a bus here? <laughs> no, no. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, even some that started in the comics, like um, Mike Hammer was was a comic when uh, Mickey Spillane first wrote him, and then he decided to write uh, Mike Hammer books. And uh, Mickey Spillane is, a, is is an icon. Those of you who don't know who uh, Mike Hammer is, he was the first hard-boiled detective. I mean, really hard-boiled. I'm not talking about the Philip Marlowe's of, of, of the world, which every now and then... Uh, had some broad on the ass. I mean, and Mike Hammer was a real, <laughs> he killed in every one of his books. I the jury. I think he killed thirty six people. Holy hell! Yeah, hey, I mean, he was anyway. He, he he started out in comics. You know, it's. Uh, hey. And by the way, Jank uh, is also a big fan of Columbo, and Jank uh, Mike Mickey Spillane was in an episode of Columbo. So, oh, oh, really? Which one? Uh, he he plays the. The author that uh, Jack Cassidy has killed, and I think publish or perish, I believe, is the episode. Oh, that's is, is Jack Cassidy? Uh, I think Jack Cassidy is a magician in that one. Oh yeah, you know what? No? I think I'm confusing. Uh, I I think you're right, Pat. I think it might be the one where he's uh, the magician because he kills. He kill Jack Cassidy kills him. It's in one of the two Jack Cassidy. I can't remember which. One. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think it might no, be one. I think there was three Jack Cassidy ones. So. Yes, there were three <laughs> Jack Cassidy. Blaine, uh, he hated to be called an author. He wanted to be called a writer, and this guy was uh, he was my camera. In fact, in one of the the, the movie renditions of of his book, I believe it was Kiss Me Deadly. He played my camera. Ah. About that. Yeah, the author played my camera. There was a couple of my cameras. Was, uh, Ralph Meeker was one of them, but um, uh, Mickey Spillane played his own character. I mean, he he fits the description uh, as a you know World War II vet carried a forty five and beat the shit out of everybody. That was basically even his clients. I mean, he, uh, that was bad news or, or good news depending on how you look at it. But anyway, where are we starting here? Well, we're going to start uh, at the very beginning, Pat, because uh, I'm sure a lot of these young kids listening to this show have no idea what the pulps were. But uh, the process for chemically treating wood pulp to make paper was developed in the early 1880s. Before that, magazines were published, but they were targeted at, like, the uh, the one percenters, your Pat Piccarellis of the world, you know, the people <laughs> who go. can afford yeah, them. Yeah. But yeah, uh, why are they in that person though? I recall yeah. when that first magazine was published. Uh, I'm getting pretty old now. Yeah, they were called pulps. Yeah, they were called pulps because of the paper they were printed on. Yeah, uh, which, which so was very they, flimsy, cheap paper. Go if you think of old comic books, like that kind. Of, that's newsprint. Yeah. it's similar to that. But uh, yeah, so mm-hmm. once they had this this cheap paper to to publish magazines, then they started targeting them towards you know the lower class folks, and uh, they started making print magazines. And then, in de- like, about fiction uh, topics. And then December of 1882, a fellow named Frank Muncy published a magazine called The Golden Argosy. And it was a, typical magaz- it was a typical magazine that covered a broad range of interests. But then in uh, 1896, it became just the Argosy, 
and it featured 192 pages of just fiction, and it sold for 10 cents for 192 pages. Now, obviously, wow. uh, 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 obviously, magazine lasted well into the 1970s because when I was a kid, I used to buy it. Yeah, it's crazy. So it, it, it was around a long, long time. But, you know, then it became a little bit more, you know, glossy and it had other things in it. But originally, yeah, you're right, <laughs> it, it was all pulp. And these writers who were just uh, getting their careers kick-started were writing when they first entered the pulp genre. They were writing for these magazines for a penny a word. Yeah. And They're once, once they became stories. famous... Well, yeah, uh, Earl Stanley Gardner, uh, those of you who don't know who he is, he was the uh, originator of Perry Mason. But he started out in the pulps, and uh, he had a family to feed. He was putting out 20,000 words a week. Oh, and yeah. he got, yeah, I mean, I can't even read 20,000 words a week. He was writing it. And he, uh, he, he became one of the stars of pulp, and he got up to 10 cents a word. He was uh, him... And uh, th th there was a few others uh, that uh, Dashiell Hammett started out in the pulps, the creator of Sam Spade, uh, uh, Raymond Chandler, uh, I mean, uh, Paul Kane. Uh, I mean, there was uh, Cornell Woolrich was also one of my favorites. Uh, they they I don't all know started. That guy. I mean, they were Cornell Woolrich. Yeah, I don't know him. The the the, the bride wore black was probably his, his most famous book. He wrote about everyday people who get themselves involved in, in uh, situations that uh, seem to be almost impossible to extricate themselves. Uh, he, I mean, his books, uh, he, he died young. He was a mama's boy. He, he lived with his, uh, his father was an alcoholic, and uh, he, he never amounted to much. He used to hide himself in his room and just write. He died very young. He drank himself to death. But that was the theme of all his books. Ordinary people fighting extraordinary circumstances, and uh, they still read well today. In fact, I reread the, the, uh, the Bride Wore Black probably about a year or two ago. I must have read it three times already. Uh, an excellent oh, writer, and he he, he he writes about he he writes noir. You know, noir is a visual uh, genre. Uh, he writes noir, and you can actually feel yeah. yourself in the seedy parts of Manhattan. It's just great. Uh, very good writer. But this is where these people started. Uh, Earl Stanley yeah. Gardner was writing westerns first, and then then he got uh, you know to writing about the uh, detectives. Didn't write uh, about lawyers. Perry Mason was a, a later incantation. Yeah, penny a word. All right, so here we go into the top eleven heroes. Let's see how many of these you know, Pat. But uh, number eleven, I think I mentioned this guy to you a few months back because I, I listened to a few of his radio shows. But the Green Llama, the Green Llama. Oh, the Green Llama, yeah. Yeah, I listened to you know, the, the, all these people come from the shadow, basically. You know, yeah. the, the shadow was the first kid on the block. But yeah, the Green Llama. I, I listened to a couple of his radio shows over, over the past year. I don't think there were that many. Yeah, there weren't. Uh, you know, and, and you, you can just picture. Uh, yeah, and he came kind of late into the uh, into the pulp hero game. Yeah, that's late. Double Detective you know, Magazine. Yeah. Yeah, pulp was sort of pulp action heroes were on that way out. So I can imagine all these uh, publishers and these writers getting together. What can we possibly call this person a name that has not been used? They use any, every animal, every insect, <laughs> the spider, the well, blue beetle. You ever hear it? Did you ever read anything? Or he, or he, 
Yeah, his radio show, the Blue Beetle. Who comes I up do with like this the Blue stuff? Beetle. So I think, oh, yeah. yeah. We, we, still are, yeah we, we, uh, you still heard yeah, of, of, of the Blue Beetle, Mike? Yeah, yeah he's I, a, he's a, uh, I looked through his radio show, but he's a, uh, a but, DC comic character, right, Jank? The Blue Beetle? Don't yeah, they sure is. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, they... They they ran out of insects, they ran out of animals, and they said, well, "Let's make the llama, <laughs> you know, uh, 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 and uh, an action hero." These well, people had no superpowers; they were just smart as hell. You know, well, this tough. guy technically is it, not llama two L's; it's llama one L. Oh, it is. Yeah. So yeah, so it's not the four-legged llama. But uh, more bizarre. Well, the, the people, I can imagine oh, sorry. the people who were reading, uh, who were who were fans of pulp. Uh, I'm thinking that maybe the llama and its original form was two L's, and these readers started started to call the publishers and say, "Hey, what's with these two L's and llama?" So they went back to one L. But he was written <laughs> by a llama with two L's. Kendall Foster Croson, I never heard. But uh, the Green Llama's real name is Jethro Dumont, and he's a wealthy New York native who spent many years in Tibet studying to be a llama. Again, Buddhist <laughs> spiritual teacher, not well, a four-legged did, animal. Didn't they all? Didn't they? I mean, the, the, the shadow was in the Far East, the spider, who yep. was named Richard Wentworth. They all live in Manhattan. And that's, apparently, that's the place to be. And they're uh, all rich. They're all I'm rich. not buying a rich nobody, New York socialite named Jethro. That doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. <laughs> yeah, right, right. He was crossbred somewhere. But no, they all live in Manhattan. <laughs> they're all rich. Nobody knows how they got their money. You know, they all have dynamite girlfriends. That can keep yeah. a secret, you know, because the girlfriends are the only ones who know who they actually are, except for their their help or their chauffeur in the case of the spider. But anyway, go on. For the Green Llama, he fought crime without ever using a gun because, quote, this would make me no better than those I fight. How about that? Ooh, very bad man. The process didn't make him dead. I'm not so familiar with him. What did he use? To uh, uh, fight these bad guys. I uh, well, all right. He he, he used like mystical <laughs> meditation kind of stuff like that, and uh, power suggestion and stuff like that. But he also had access to radioactive salts that gave him limited superpowers. <laughs> so. well, I'm, gonna get, I, I'm gonna have to get some. All right. Yeah. 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 So he, bath salt. Salt. he got high on bath salts <laughs> and just beat the hell out of criminals. All right, number ten, the Avenger. Singular, The Avenger. Anything, Pat? Okay, also also a radio show, which I've listened to. Uh, I've never read the books, though. Oh, that's, yeah, there was an Avenger radio show. In fact, uh, it's still on. Uh, I mean, I I subscribe to probably five old-time radio podcasts, and uh, some of them, you know, specialize mostly in uh, detectives and stories, but some of them just throw out a hodgepodge of Old pulp heroes, and the Avengers, one of them. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll find the link to the show that I find him on. I'll send it to you. All right, thank you. Uh, Street and Smith published the Avenger Pulp Magazine, which ran for 24 issues from 1939 to 1942. All stories were credited to the house name Ken Robeson, which we'll hear about later. Uh, but most stories are written by a fellow named Paul Ernst. And the Avenger was Richard Henry Benson, a wealthy, globe-trotting adventurer. Uh, until some criminal murder his wife and young daughter. In the aftermath of the tragedy, Benson's skin and hair turn white, and his face deadens 
and he dedicates his life to avenging his wife and daughter. So he's basically like a zombie. Wow. Just killing it's like Leland yeah, Clark. Yeah. Turned white. yeah. His skin turned white. Very racist. We have a problem with the yeah. Avengers. Right? <laughs> and they say his, <laughs> his face also became malleable like clay. So he could he could uh, change it into lo- how he looked to uh, be disguised. But your skin's you know bright white. I'm, I don't know how disguised he is. And, but, and, uh, and, and let me guess. Let me guess. He, he lived in Manhattan. Uh, yeah, I think they said uh, he was from New York. I don't know, but uh, yeah, they all they all they're, 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 they're the only ones that can afford Manhattan. But that's a pretty good uh, setup, though, for a, a hero there. Um, yeah. And, and did he have? Did he have weird any... ideas? If my family just dies, I can become a superhero. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did he have a sidekick or a hot girlfriend that he confided in? Uh, he did not have. Uh, I don't think he had a hot girlfriend, but he had kind of like. Uh, his his crew like Doc Savage has he had like four or five people yeah. that helped oh. him out and stuff you know but um, there you go uh, the that, Avengers you know, Street and Smith uh, uh, Street and Smith uh, had the corner on 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 pulp fiction back in the day uh, one of the uh, the uh, biggest periodicals was Black Mask uh, that yes. was all pulp and did I ever tell you my tragic Black Mask story Mike I don't think. Okay, this was uh, this is going to break your heart. I I collected, uh, and when I was a teenager, obviously I had no social life. Uh, I collected. Uh, Black Mask was was finished uh, even in in the '60s, the first iteration of, of Black Mask, the original during the Golden Age, so to speak, the '30s and '40s. I used to scour places to buy copies of the old copies of the Black Mask. I had a hell of a collection of about 200 copies in mint condition. Uh, and when I enlisted in the army in 1965, uh, and I was overseas for two years. And when I came back on my first leave, I was still living at home. Cause when I joined the army, I was only 18 and I was living at home. I just got out of high school. I said to my mother, mom, where is my collection of black mask magazines? She said, as mothers will do, she's always collecting dust and I threw them out. Oh, <laughs> You know what they're worth Ooh. today? Uh, probably yeah. a lot of money. Particularly in the shape. Yeah, mine are fine, fine. I mean, really, really good shape. Well, they're, they're talking about pulp. They're pulp now. You know, they, they went through some garbage <laughs> compact at the end of that. But, yeah, what I was oh. really pissed. But, yeah, she didn't know. She just said, ah, these old things are starting to get yellow and, you know, throw them out. That's but the funny. Black Mask was the biggest pulp magazine of all time, and it's back now. And it's a uh, uh, current iteration. It's been out for about 15 years. And you, you can subscribe to it. You can't find it on the stand, but you can subscribe to it. And they, you know, uh, pulp isn't a big genre anymore, but they do mystery stories, adventure, the same thing that the old. Yeah, at number nine on the greatest pulp heroes, the Black Bat. Not the Black Mask, the Black <laughs> Bat. No, the Black, yeah, the, the Black Bat uh, is also a magazine. Never a radio show, and I've read a couple of Black Bats. You know, a lot of these, uh, same thing, wealthy guy, he, uh, they begin to sound a bit alike after a while. Well, this, guy, <laughs> well, this, this guy's different. He has a bit of a different backstory. It's pretty weird, and I think when you hear this, uh, Jank, I'm guessing you'll be able to tell who, uh, what superhero ripped them off, but uh, there were two Black Bats. <laughs> 
the first one appeared in Black Bat Detective Mysteries, a pulp that ran for six issues in 30, 1933 and 1934. But then in 1939, Thrilling Publications introduced the new Black Bat in uh, Black Book Detective, and it was written by Norman A. Daniels. But uh, the character's name is Anthony Quinn, and he was a former district oh, attorney yeah. before criminals blinded him with acid. Blinded him. Oh, boy. <laughs> now, while he was blinded, he developed his other senses, and then he received he an eye transplant, taking the eyes of a dead police officer, and they gave him the ability to see in the dark. So then he fought criminals what? as a vigilante at night, using his heightened senses. That sounds logical. <laughs> sounds logical to me. I mean, I know a couple and, of people like that. And when he, uh, he defeated the criminals, he would leave a bat sticker on the victims as his calling card. But obviously, Jank, this is Daredevil. Heightened sense. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's better because he got his sight back. Yeah. For, for those of uh, of your best listening audience who are interested in this uh, in the subject, I tell you, these books are great escapism. You know, they're short, and you, you can go through them. The Spider, however, he, he the author wrote epic novels, but we'll get to him later. But uh, BudPlant.com has reprints of all of these pulp heroes, every last one of them, the black bat included, uh, all of them. Uh, and the, the, the cover art is, is phenomenal on these, uh, yes. on these stories. Yeah. Uh, and anyway, yeah, anybody that's interested, they, 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 they come two, uh, two stories to an issue of 128 pages and they retail for 12.95. You can go on Amazon and get them cheaper, but if you want to see the whole collection, go to budplant.com, B-U-D-P-L-A-N-T.com. Got them all. Yeah, you told me about that website a few weeks ago. I was checking it out. They, they've got everything. They've got everything. Yeah. Um, but but also, Jake, this uh, Black Bat, also Dr. Midnight, basically the same premise. Dr. Midnight was seen in the dark and everything. And uh, Two-Face, yeah. the Batman villain Two-Face, oh, yeah. the attorney, got his acid in the face. Yeah. And Black Bat and Batman came out around the same time. So there was like a legal dispute between uh, DC and the publisher, and uh, the first Black Bat, that is. But they settled things, and they said, all right, you can both write it. But they, they ripped off the Black Bat's costume and basically used that for Batman. So they uh, stole a lot of stuff. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so all that lawsuit about getting Bill Finger some credit was kind of just bullshit because none of them deserved any credit. <laughs> yeah, they all stole from everybody, so don't worry about it. All right, uh, number eight. Uh-oh, Pat, we're going to venture into the spicy pulps now at number eight. Do you know what the spicy pulps were? Yeah, I did. Yeah, sure. In fact, uh, I've got uh, – too bad you don't have a visual medium here because to my <laughs> right, I've got about uh, 10 blown-up framed pulp covers. Oh, nice. Uh, and, uh, and this is the era that you're speaking of. You know, the, the women are hanging out of their clothes. Uh, one <laughs> is right. called Roughneck. wonder what that's about. The other one – I'm looking right at them. It's called Cry Plague. And another one is a knife for screaming. This gorgeous blonde with uh, hardly anything on is uh, racing in front of a car that's chasing her through the weeds. And so it goes. <laughs> yeah, that's basically anyway, what yeah, that's, that, that, yeah. More, more sexually adventurous, more erotic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, Little uh, boys so love that eight, stuff, including me. Yeah. At number eight, we got the domino lady. She was the only female costumed pulp hero to star in her own series. And she starred in six stories published by Fiction Magazines in 1936. 
And uh, the character was socialite Ellen Patrick. She was a foxy blonde who wore a black domino mask and a white evening gown. And she waged a war on crime to avenge the murder of her district attorney father. I think I've seen her. Yeah. She sounds sounds fun. Uh, She was armed with a forty-five. She carried a forty-five automatic and a syringe of knockout serum. And she would steal from her victims and give the money to charity. And she left a calling card that read, Compliments of the Domino Lady. The Domino Lady. <laughs> well, was her arch nemesis the Noid? <laughs> no, no, no. It wasn't pizza-related at all. But, uh, yeah, the Domino Lady, she was something. So I uh, might want to check her out, Pat, over at BudPlant.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you definitely will. I, I, I'm a big fan of Bud. I've never seen that uh, character before. Uh, number number seven, you've mentioned him a few times, the spider. Uh, what, what the, spider. About the spider. I tell you, I uh, the spider, uh, the 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 author uh, who escapes me now, but uh, anyway, uh, let me see. Epic. Harry Harry Steger created him, an editor, and it was written by numerous authors. So yeah, but he wrote. Normally, these books, these these pulps, were rather short. Uh, the spider stories were epics, you know, as far as uh, length goes. I just finished, well, within the last year, a Spider trilogy called The Spider Versus the Empire State. Spider was a guy named Richard Wentworth who, hard to believe, was wealthy and lived in New York and <laughs> had, a, had, had a driver, an Indian, an East Indian uh, uh, a driver. And if you close your eyes, you can picture what he looked like without even reading the description. Uh, shaved, bald, heavily muscled spoke with an accent, and he knew the identity of the spider, as did the spider's girlfriend, some knockout, they're all blondes. Uh, but he fights, this was during the uh, uh, Nazi era, uh, during World War II, and uh, the spider fights huge enemies, uh, armies sometimes. In this book, well, these, these are three novels, they total about 600 pages, I guess. Uh, an invading army actually invades Manhattan. And one book they invade with robots. <laughs> wow. And the spider, one lone man who carries two forty fives like the yeah. like the shadow Dog. does. And uh, th- these guys don't have any uh, superpowers; they just uh, manage to dodge bullets. Uh, there's action on every other page. The stories, surprisingly, are good. Uh, for 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 pulps, they're pretty well written. Uh, and uh, these novels have been reprinted, and you can find them on Amazon. There's a lot of spider books on Amazon. I, I like them. They're, they're, they're very good. Yeah, and I guess he uh, he wore a black domino mask, a hat, and a cape. And uh, apparently he was very violent, and his stories usually ended with him killing his enemies and stamping a spider mark on their forehead. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, yeah he, he, he didn't suffer fools. You, you, you disrespected him, he killed you, you know. Uh, but uh, there was a police commissioner character in that book also who was uh, – the, the spider wasn't viewed as a hero. He was viewed as a criminal uh, by, the, uh, by law enforcement. And the commissioner, whose name escapes me, was good friends with Wentworth, and they'd always talk about you know, capturing the spider. The police commissioner never knew that Wentworth was the spider. And for some reason, I mean, the, the guy actually, you know, obviously fought on, on the side of law – but uh, he did it in a violent way, and he was considered uh, he was considered a criminal. Yeah, can't have those vigilantes out there dishing out justice. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, they, the, the commissioner obviously wasn't too bright, but you know you have to have a foil <laughs> yeah. somewhere. 
Yeah, yeah less work for us to stop those could... aliens. Ah, fuck them. Yeah, rest that <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, number six, Buck Rogers. Buck Rogers. And uh, he was yeah, created everybody, by... everybody knows Buck. Yeah, yeah right. do you know who created him? Or uh, do you know your Buck Rogers? I don't. Philip Francis Nolan. And he first appeared in a novella, okay. Armageddon, 2419 A.D., which was published in August. Ni- uh, well, I have 1998 here. That is totally wrong. Uh, we'll say <laughs> I'm guessing that was 1938 yeah. <laughs> of the Amazing Stories pulp magazine. There was an ad in there for the Taco Bell Chihuahua. <laughs> yeah, I had that year way off. But uh, the, 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 the pulp origin is a little bit different. I grew up on Buck Rogers, the TV show, with the lovely Erin Gray, my first uh, female crush. But uh, Anthony Rogers was a World War I vet working for the American Radioactive Gas Corporation, and he was investigating unusual activities in abandoned coal mines when he is caught in a cave-in and exposed to radioactive gas, placed in suspended animation for 492 years. And when he wakes up, he helps Wilma Deering, the aforementioned Aaron Gray, and other humans fight against robot overlords. Yeah, the androids had taken over the place. So... uh, that's yeah. the original Buck Rogers. Mm-hmm. You know, e- e- each yeah. one of these characters had to get more outlandish. But, you know, I mean, just pure escapism. You, you, you know, it sounds odd, but you can actually get lost in these stories. They're, they're, some of them are so ridiculous, but they're fun. You know, if you're looking to have fun, all these pulp stories. You know, and it, in pulp, if you're dealing with, with the detectives and the cops, it really gets hard-boiled. You know, uh, we're talking about a different genre here when we're talking about semi-superheroes. But, uh, you know, these these pulp detectives are really, you know, Dashiell Hammett wrote a pulp hero called the Continental Op. Yeah. Uh, He didn't have a name. In fact, I've I've got his first book uh, in my bookcase behind me. Uh, The Continental Op was, was not named. He was just known as the Continental Op. And he was, I mean, fights, killings, stabbings, uh, yeah, very interesting stuff. And that was in Dashiell Hammett's first works. But, uh, yeah, Buck Rogers kind of brought in the sci-fi element of things, and then he inspired uh, Flash Gordon, and they started up with the Flash Gordon. I was, I'm a big Flash Gordon fan. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, every t- 10 years or so, I watch the Flash Gordon serials with uh, Buster Crabbe. <laughs> yeah, how about the movie? There was, there were, were you a fan of the movie from the uh, early movie? 80s? The Flash Gordon. No, I wouldn't. These were made. These were these were uh, black and white with what they considered special effects from the 1930s. They made uh, three serials, each one at 13 chapters. Surprisingly, very good stories. I still enjoy them. I'm obviously I know what's going to happen. But when my boys were young, they used to uh, uh, sit with me and and watch these things. And you know, they they were getting into computers and everything else. But they loved these serials. I mean, if you ever have a chance to watch them, they're on YouTube. You watched uh, the entire uh, uh, three uh, uh, films. They're, they're pretty no. good. And number five, we're going to go Zorro. Zorro, created uh, by Johnston McCulley. And uh, the character was Don Diego de la Vega. And he made his debut mm-hmm. in the 1919 novel, The Curse of uh, Capistrano, which was published in the All-Star Weekly Pulp magazine. But I'm sure everyone's familiar with Zorro, right? Pat, you can tell the kids about Zorro. Well, I tell you, Zorro uh, was played on television by an actor named Guy Williams. And he was on during the week, I think at 8 o'clock. And I was a kid, you know, 10 years old. Whatever I was doing, wherever I was, or where could I be at 10? But 
I, w- I would drop what I'm doing and watch a Zorro, and there was a, uh, a a fat sergeant, Sergeant Garcia, on that show, who uh, he was in there for the uh, you know humor part of it. Uh, it, was, it was a great show. It lasted for quite a while. It was a Walt Disney production. Yeah, Zorro. It's basically uh, he's basically uh, Clark Kent in his daily life. He he pretends to be like a bumbling guy, right? And then he becomes Zorro. I did and, uh, uh, a little a little on the effeminate side. Uh, the, and, that was his cover. But it has Zorro. He, you know, he rides the horse and he's a big sword fighter. And then whenever he uh, beats somebody, he'd cut a Z somewhere. Like he'd mark him with a Z. His Zorro. <laughs> yeah. There's a great movie with uh, Tyrone Power. Uh, what were you saying, Jank, about Zorro? I think it was a Simpsons reference where uh, he did the Z and the guy was looking down and he's like, N? What is N for? Z for Zorro. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, that's Zorro. Uh, number three, Conan the Barbarian. Oh, wait, did I skip one? I did skip one, didn't I? Yeah, four. We skipped four. Number four, Pat, we were talking about this guy a couple weeks ago when you called me. Tarzan. Tell the kids about Tarzan. Oh, man. Uh-huh. I'm, a, I'm a real Tarzan fan. In fact, uh, Bud Plant, we're back to Bud. I think it's Bud Plant. Uh, is yeah. reissuing all the Tarzan books, and I'm starting to recollect them. These are works of art. I mean, uh, they're about $30, which is on the high end for the number of pages, but it's extremely well done on very good stock. The covers are uh, works of art. But I started from the first one. I think I'm up to six or seven now. And I read these when I was a kid. And, uh, yeah, the Tarzan came into being in about 1911 or so. But he was uh, brought up to World War Okay, close enough. He was brought all the way up to World War II. And, and, and what people don't know about Tarzan was that he was uh, a British aristocrat. And after the first book, Tarzan uh, the Ape Man, or is it Tarzan of the Apes? I think it's Tarzan the Apes. Tarzan of the Apes. Tarzan of the Apes. He goes back to his roots in England as an aristocrat, and he keeps getting drawn back into the jungle with various adventures, save his wife, to save his son, to save the world. Uh, he, he, he knows how to fly. He speaks several languages. Uh, but uh, I guess that's where they get, got the term went native, because that's what he does when he goes back to the jungle back in the trees, talking to gorillas. The stories are really good. In fact, I just finished one uh, recently called Jungle Tales of Tarzan. This is the only short story collection of the uh, Tarzan character, like 10 short stories. I still, I still like them. You know, there's a cult yeah, around if... Edgar Rice Burroughs. You know, yeah, I was going to say Edgar did, Rice Burroughs. Do I don't ta- think we mentioned his name, but yeah, that's the author. Yeah, he, he also did a series uh, called John Carter of Mars, which yep. was also very good, and I'm not, I'm not a big science fiction fan, but I love those stories. The Tarzan character is out of copyright now, and there are other, uh, there are other writers writing Tarzan books, uh, and some of them are, are quite well received. I haven't gotten to them yet. I'm still working on the original 26. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm a Tarzan fan. Also a radio show. Yeah, a lot of these pulp heroes, they're, like you said, they're out of copyright, so anyone can write these characters. So uh, I don't know, Pat. Maybe yeah. we should re- restart. Let's... Uh, Revitalize the pulps. Let's start cranking out pulps. While I was doing uh, uh, research for tonight's show, I came across a couple of books on how to write pulps. 
So I'm thinking that uh, this genre is being revived. People are buying them. Publishers are buying them, I guess. I'm, I'm going to come out. Otherwise, uh, I have a book on how to write them. The Purple Monkey. That'll be my pulp here. Purple <laughs> Monkey. Uh, yeah, you I'm, must I'm, be a big I'm, fan I'm of Tarzan. I'm, Just hanging out with monkeys all day? That seems like your dream I'm, life. I'm, that would be great. Well, it's, it's an animal. I'm doing one, Michael, the chartreuse giraffe. It's going to be my uh, <laughs> That'll be good, know. too. That'll be pretty good, too. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm working on it. I'll, uh, I'll show you how rough draft when I'm done. <laughs> All right. I ruined the surprise, but at number three, Conan the Barbarian, uh, created by Robert E. Howard in, uh, in 1932 for the pulp magazine Weird Tales. Uh, everyone's familiar with Conan the Barbarian, but, but Pat, do you know uh, Robert E. Howard, like his story, his tragic end? Do you no, tell me. He committed no. suicide in 1936 at the age of 30, and uh, when he did, he had written 21 complete Conan stories, uh, of which 17 books had been published. Or short stories? Uh, books or short stories? Stories, they're saying. So I'm guessing. Okay. Yeah. Just well, you know, magazine. they call they call books back then stories because uh, yeah, that's where it gets confused. Yeah. Yeah, there's 181 Doc Savage stories, but they were books. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were long. So yeah. but they're, they're I don't know. Stars. I'm not sure. But uh, yeah. here's what happened, though. His mother was dying of tuberculosis, and she went into a coma. And the nurse told uh, Robert E. Howard, he said, she said, hey, uh, I don't think your mother's going to make it. So he went out in the parking lot in his car, took a gun out of the glove box, and shot himself in the head, and killed himself. Oh, you know, a lot of these pulp guys uh, didn't live to be old. Cornell Woolrich uh, drank himself to death. Graham uh, uh, Chandler uh, also had alcohol problems, and he 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 never married. I don't think he never, or, or he or he did, and his mother objected to his wife, and he divorced her. I mean, this is these pulp guys were weird. A lot of them. I mean, uh, it's, yeah. That's so a weird his mother, his mother ended up dying the next day, but his his dad was still around. So think about that dad. He loses his wife and his son in uh, two days. Wouldn't have been something if it would have been something if, if he shot himself and the, and the, the mother pulled through. Yeah, I you know, Henry's story. Yeah. That's yeah. why I was afraid that was yeah. going. Yeah. But yeah. man, what a horrible ending! The guy who created Conan the Barbarian just went out and killed himself because his mom was dying. Seems a little weird, but right. amazing. Yeah, that's a boss story right there. All right, so at number two, The Shadow. You mentioned him earlier. The, yeah, the shadow basically started it all. All right. So like all yeah, the from the shadow. Well, that's the thing. It's though, one of the longest. It's different. That's the radio show version, but the pulp version, the history's a little different. Um, are you aware of the uh, pulp history, the origin of the character? I've I've, I've read quite a few. That uh, yeah, he was he, he was more of a recluse. Uh, he and he he went to the far east and developed powers. Uh, yeah, kind of, you know, telepathic powers. Well, yeah, like hypnotic and everything. Uh, but in 1930, yeah. the shadow started out as the name of the mysterious narrator of the Detective Hour radio show, which was started by Street and Smith Publications to th- promote Detective Story magazine. When the radio show got popular, Street and Smith hired uh, w- r- writer Walter B. Gibson to write original shadow stories under the pen name Maxwell Grant. And Gibson wrote 282 of the 325 Shadow stories, producing a novel-length adventure twice a month. Good Lord, two books well, a month. Well, that's the, the, the 
that's the Earl Stanley Gardner school of uh, quick writing. These, these guys yeah. just wrote. Uh, when Earl Stanley Gardner became famous and was putting out the Perry Mason books, uh, he was dictating them. He never wrote them. He dictated them to three secretaries, three books oh. at a time. Three secretaries? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the, well, that's the original the best, shadow. I guess he got, got the habit. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, I was going to say, he got, these uh, writers who became famous afterwards still maintain their pulp roots, and they put out a prodigious amount of work. Uh, throughout the rest of their lives, Earl Stanley Gardner being the uh, the epitome of the fast. I thought I write fast. I mean, this guy uh, just and he didn't have to do that. He could have put out one Perry Mason book a year. He's putting out three. Yeah, they're just cranking them out. So the original Shadow, yeah. his name was Kent Allard, and he was an ace pilot who fought for the French in World War One. He faked his own death and then waged a war on crime. He uses the identity of Lamont Cranston who is a rich playboy who travels the world, well, Allard uses uh, Cranston's resources and identity in New York City. So, yeah, Cranston was a real guy, but Allard used his identity. But then on the radio show, they just made him Lamont Cranston. Yeah, it's too much of a transition. Uh, 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 the first shadow was uh, Austin Wells, who went on to become an icon yeah. in Hollywood as an actor and a, and a director and a writer. And then but, uh, uh, this- he... What the heck? Go ahead. But this uh, shadow fella, he was basically your first superhero. He had a secret identity, a costume, supervillain, sidekicks, and he uses Colt 45 pistols and magic tricks uh, to convince criminals he's supernatural. So, yeah. It's it's like it's like the spider, you know. It's the same thing as the spider practically. Only the spider is a little bit more, uh, you know. Uh, uh, the shadow went after criminal gangs. The spider went after criminal armies, literally. You know, so other than that, they were the same character. That brings us to number one, the reason why we're doing all this, uh, Doc Savage. I love me some Doc Savage. Doc Savage. Lord help me. I tell you, Doc Savage, some people say he was modeled after me because he's a physician, scientist, <laughs> adventurer, detective, inventor, explorer, researcher, and as revealed in uh, one of the later books, a musician. He also oh, did yeah, surgery on one of, one of his sidekicks. Uh, who had uh, an eye problem. He was blinded in one eye. Well, Doc Savage took care of that. He, uh, he, yeah, he did ocular surgery and, and, and cured him. But the, the guy, the guy was, he's not a superhero, but he was uh, brought up to be the, uh, the epitome of a human male. Yep. And he had a, he had a George Hamilton tan year-round, and he, he lived <laughs> That's why they called the Man of Bronze, because his sin is There you go, and he bronze. lived... Oh, well, yeah, all the time. And he lived on the 86th floor of an unnamed skyscraper in Manhattan, which is obviously the Empire State Building. Back then, it was the only uh, building of that height. And, uh, I mean, it was a mix of, like, Sherlock Holmes and Tarzan. It was – Yeah. his stories still hold up. They're, they're fun to read, you know? Yeah, he first premiered in Doc Savage magazine February 1933 – and he was created by publisher Henry W. Ralston and editor John L. Nanovic of Street and Smith Publications. And they were looking to capitalize on the success of The Shadow, because everyone loved The Shadow. Uh, but um, the magazine ran until 1949, spanned 181 issues. The main series writer, all the stories were written under the name Ken Robeson. 
But uh, the actual writer was a guy named Lester Dent, and he wrote 165 of the stories. And here's another prolific guy. He was cranking out stories left and right. Uh, Doc Savage, the character, his name is Clark Savage Jr. And as you mentioned, he's like the perfect human being. But uh, Superman basically ripped off everything from Doc Savage, like Man of Steel, Man of Bronze. Um, Doc Savage actually had a, a Fortress of Solitude up in the Arctic. I know. Superman, oh, yeah, they yeah. just stole that. They weren't even dicking around. They just stole exactly the term and everything. And uh, uh, Savage, well, his name is Clark Savage. And then Lester Dent is the author. So the Superman creators kind of combine that to get Clark Kent. And also perhaps the, uh, the, uh, the creators of uh, Batman paid uh, homage to uh, uh, the writer Dent by naming the DA Harvey Dent. Yeah, that's right, Harvey Dent. I mean, uh, the, yeah, there was no, there was no end to it. But, you know, when, when those 181 stories were written and they, they had their run and went out of print, they went back into print in 1967 and they were published chronologically as they were originally, and they reached the last one, I think, in 1987, and they stopped uh, publication of the, uh, of, the, of the stories. You can still get them. And there's a, quite a, I think there's graphic novels out now. And yeah, uh, oh, both Marvel and DC have made Doc Savage comic books. And um, Doc Savage's personal motto is, I will travel the world helping those who need help, and punishing those who deserve it. That's Doc Savage. But he's, uh, uh, he's a really smart guy. And uh, two hours a day, Patty, he trains his body. He does a series of physical exercises two hours a day since he was a child. Wow. To be a physical specialist. I, I go to the gym four days a week. I go to the gym four days a week. Maybe I'll turn it to Doc Savage. I have the yeah. tan, you know, so we're here to start. Uh, you know, his, his characters, he had five sidekicks, I, I believe. Yep. As the stories went on, as I recall, you saw less and less of these guys, and well, uh, toward the let's go toward the end of the run, I think. Okay, go ahead. Because I, I like these guys. Uh, first, we have Lieutenant Colonel Andrew Blodgett Mayfair, nicknamed Monk, Monk Mayfair. He's an industrial chemist, and he looks like a monkey, Jank. He kind of looks like a monkey. Ooh. Yeah, so he's he's on <laughs> right away. He's my favorite. Uh, but he also had a pet pig named Habeas Corpus, which was awesome. <laughs> That's a great he's name. Had a pet pig. Yeah, he he yeah, had, had he he was <laughs> he he was covered with red hair. Yeah, he's like a furry monkey. Okay. Oh man. Yeah, they, they, he, he he's described in 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 the stories as simian like, long arms, <laughs> covered with red hair. Who takes yeah. this stuff up? It's like a missing link. Like, yeah, they just say looks like a monkey. So they call him monk. And yeah. uh, next up, we have uh, Brigadier General Theodore Marley Ham Brooks. Ham's the nickname, and he's an accomplished attorney who's known for carrying a sword cane. So he has a little walking cane, and he pulls out a sword. But he got the name Ham because all these guys knew each other in World War One and stuff. And so uh, he got the nickname Ham because Monk, uh, like, set him up when they were in the army together. He made it look like uh, Ham had stolen a bunch of hams from the uh, from the, the kitchen or whatever. So he got in trouble for stealing <laughs> ham. But it's because a monk played a trick on him, so his nickname became Ham. And, and Ham was considered one of the uh, best, best, best dressed men in the world. Yes, he, I didn't he was, know if uh, they had the uh, GQ back then, but yeah, he was always 
finely dressed. Because Monk, even though Monk was an industrial chemist, you think, oh, well, he must be a really precise fella. He was like kind of like a, uh, a brawler and a uh, uh, just, you know, dressing like Columbo, Jank. But this uh, Marley Ham Brooks, he's a sartorial splendor, and he's, he's uh, an attorney, and, and they always butt heads. They're friends deep down, but they're always ripping on each other, and, and it, it makes for good comedy uh, through the stories. Next, we have Colonel John Rennie Renwick, a construction engineer. And you know, I'm laughing at Mike. What's that? Can you, can you imagine uh, uh, su- submitting this for the first time to a publisher now? Yeah, but it's Trump, awesome. Trump, I get this so stuff bloody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll show you the door. You know. Anyway, but, go ahead. But Rennie, his gimmick is he has really big hands, like his fists are big, <laughs> and he can knock out a door. That's his, his parlor trick. He can punch through a door, any door. He can knock it off a table. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so Interesting. Oh, well, and and the, most important, the most important thing about Rennie, his favorite expression was, holy cow. <laughs> holy he cow. He said it numerous times to watch stories. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Major, there, Harry. Major uh, Thomas J. Long Tom Roberts, an electrical engineer. Uh, he was nicknamed Long Tom because uh, Long Tom Cannons, he manned one of them in the war. So they call him Long Tom. And also, before he got together with uh, with Doc Savage, he was in porn movies. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh. so that's how he uh, got the nickname, actually. That's <laughs> but Long Tom's gimmick is he's very gaunt, and he looks sickly. He looks uh, like pale and sickly, but he's very wow, robust. Wow, what a superpower. Though. Yeah, but <laughs> but when you're creating these characters, though, you need them all to be physically distinctive, and you know, so you can imagine him always. Oh, he's the sickly looking one, and then finally yeah, these, we have these William. Guys, oh, go ahead, Pat. And these guys were, were more. They were solving crimes and and the worries of the world by using the intellect in addition to uh, techno gadgets. Yeah. You know, so it really didn't make a difference how weakly or how sickly they looked. Their brains got them through some of these. Adventures. And the final member of the Fabulous Five is William Harper Johnny Little John, and he's an archaeologist and a geologist, and he's the fellow who has the bad eye because he always wears glasses, but one lens in the uh, the glasses is like a really strong magnifying glass because that eye's dead. So uh, he uses that to do some stuff on their adventures. But yes, yeah, so there's the guy the five sidekicks. This the guy that Doc performed corrective surgery on. Yes. And uh, but yeah, I love these so, guys. I mean, Sometimes I wonder, Pat, yeah. do you think five's too many? Like you, you could probably get it down to four. Yeah, well, think, but well, uh, that's why as the stories went on, the characters uh, uh, dropped away without explanation, and a uh, a woman was introduced. I think it was Doc Savage's niece uh, to replace cousin, him. Yeah, Pat Savage. Cousin, Pat Savage. all right, yeah, yeah, cousin. But at the end, there were only two uh, sidekicks that were. Uh, of the originals, and they didn't take uh, have that much of a, a part in the story. And the uh, to explain the absence of the other three, they were just away on assignment. Yeah, they'd rotate them in and out. But <laughs> Monk and Ham yeah, were and the that... two that usually were there because they were the most popular. And then Rennie. But uh, you could almost combine. Like if I was writing it, I would have combined Long Tom and Johnny into one guy. Because five is just too much. Like uh, when you have one main character, then five supporting characters. And not only that, it's, it, 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 you know, in, in these stories, they'd all be in one scene. You know how hard it is to write yes. so people can maintain well, interest? Five people talking 
in one scene. Well, it, in a lot of these difficult. stories, basically what happens all the time is one or two of them or three of them get kidnapped. So then Doc always has to go and rescue them. So that keeps them – so you don't usually get all six of them together. They're usually split up. But, uh, yeah, all the stories – these stories are, like, super fantastic uh, with all these, like, uh, like, exotic locales and these villains. To give you some idea, like, uh, some of the story titles are The Roar Devil. That's a great title for a book, The Roar Devil. Uh, <laughs> fantastic <laughs> Island. Uh, the Majai, which is this East Indian guy who hypnotized people. Um, what are some other ones, Pat? Uh, the Brand of the Werewolf. Uh, there's all these great titles, these great villains. People die in these weird ways. Like there's a guy who invents a machine that, uh, it's like, or he invents this gas that if it touches you, it just like dissolves you into like a skeleton. Or uh, a guy has a invents a machine that takes all the sound out of the the environment and like causes earthquakes and everything. But it's you know it's like happening in complete silence and just all these great well, ideas. They don't always pay you know, off. Some of the, don't say that. They don't always pay off. No, they, the no, they don't. <laughs> you know, this, uh, uh, Doc was big on technology, and a lot of the things that he spoke about in, in, in the 30s that were considered science fiction actually came about. Yeah. Uh, uh, like the answering machine. That was a Doc <laughs> Savage invention. Nobody, everybody thought, what the hell is he talking about? Answering machine? How could that possibly be? Television, he introduced in the 30s. Automatic transmission on cars, night vision goggles, re- uh, electromagnetic uh, rail guns, which is a, a, a fairly recent. They fired uh, uh, like 3,000 rounds a minute. Uh, they're real handheld automatic weapons, which is today's submachine gun. Uh, he invented the machine pistol in his stories. Yeah, so, but they uh, always you know. Uh, it, they used mercy bullets, though. They never killed anybody. They had these bullets that would just knock people out and stuff. You know? But yeah, it's nice here's to put a, in, into a machine gun. <laughs> here's a weird thing, though, Pat. Uh, when they would capture criminals, they would take them up to a college that Doc Savage had up east in New York or whatever, and uh, they would rehabilitate these people, but they would uh, basically perform lobotomies on them. They would change, they would change their brains. And so they would have no memories of being criminals. Then they'd rehabilitate them and set them out into the world as productive citizens. But it's pretty creepy. Yeah, I'm I'm, going to have to get back to Doc. Uh, I tell you, I realize that we're almost out of time, but for our listeners who are interested in the pulps, go on Amazon. There's a book called, surprisingly enough, The the Big Book of Pulps. It's literally 1,200 pages, and the stock it's printed on is pulp stock. Have you seen this, Mike? I have not. I have, a, I, have, I have a copy in front of me. I will hold it up for everybody to see. Oh, Check it out. Yeah, it see that? Good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this, yeah, is, this is really good for radio. It's, uh, it's a soft cover. It's 1,200 pages. It's got some weight to it. But every – and a great cover, by the way. Uh, there's this blonde with a 45 to her head and, and some guy that looks mean <laughs> with a scar down the side of his face is holding it. Uh, and, and he doesn't have the hammer back, so it's not going to shoot. Anyway, uh, every – Pulp author uh, worth the title is in this book, and I I read it cover to cover when I got it probably 15 years ago. Really good. It's printed as the pulps were printed in the magazines, which is double columns. You know what I'm talking about, Mike? Yes. Yeah. Side by side columns. A little yeah. bit. Uh, uh, it takes a little bit to get used to, but then you get lost in, in the stories. But uh, they divide it up into. Uh, detectives, villains, 
adventure stories. It's really good stuff. Check it out. The Big what, Book of Pulps. The Big Book the of Pulps. The Big Book of Pulps, published by Black Lizard. Just go to Amazon. They have copies. They're used. You can get them very cheaply. It's been out a long time. You get a lot of used copies out of it. Yeah, and I, and I can't recommend Doc Savage enough. It's very fun. And the yeah. writing, it's it's yeah. pretty solid. Like, I'm not looking at it. I'm, I'm listening it to them as audio books on YouTube. But uh, except yeah. for, like, cleaning up some dialogue tags and stuff like that, uh, Lester Dent does some pretty great stuff when he's describing people and, like, the action sequences and stuff. Like, it's really yeah. Yeah, I, I used to buy them in the 60s. They were published by Ballantine Books. I thought it was Fawcett, but I researched it. Ballantine Books, 25 cents a book. Wow. Yeah, it couldn't That's be that. Great. Yeah, well, back then, they, they, when, they, when soft covers first came out, they weren't called paperbacks. They were called pocket books. In fact, it was a, a publisher called Pocket Books. But they were all 25 cents. I don't care how long they were, how thick they were, they were, they were all a quarter. And they stayed a quarter for a long time, probably until the late 60s, early 70s. And the prices had to go up. You know, everything went up. Price of paper, particularly. If, if you go on the YouTube, you can find some episodes of a Doc Savage radio show, too, that was made in the 1980, early 1980s. That's pretty good. There's only a few episodes you can find. But then the audio book, uh, oh. they have like a, a computerized robotic voice narrating these books. And uh, each book is yeah. about four hours long. So uh, I listen to them all the time uh, when I'm taking naps and stuff. But uh, they're, does they're the great. voice does that robotic voice get a little annoying? It's annoying at first, but the more you listen to it, it almost sounds like a normal voice after you listen to it so much. You know, <laughs> so hmm. it, it it took me a while to get used to it, but uh, I really enjoy them. I listen to them every day. I listen to some Doc Savage. So uh, Pat, was there any heroes we missed? Anyone you'd like to mention that we uh, glossed over there? I think we covered no, the Lone the big... Ranger. Oh yeah, that's the Lone Ranger. I mean, uh, it's, uh, the uh, the Lone Ranger was the uncle of the Green Hornet. In really? Did you know that? I did not know they that. Were both named, they were both named Reed, uh, and the, 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 the Green Hornet, last name was Reed, I forget his first name, but he ran a, a newspaper. His uncle was also Reed. He was the Lone Ranger. There's a family connection there. Wow. But they were uh, 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 the the... the Greenhorn was Britt Reed, B-R-I-T-T. And uh, the Lone Ranger was, I think, uh, uh, Jim Reed, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, anyway, there, there, was a, there was a family tree there. Of course, the Lone Ranger was in the late 1800s, and the, uh, the Greenhorn didn't come about until the 1930s. But that's one we forgot, the, 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 the Greenhorn with his fast yeah. car and his, uh, his aide, uh, Cato, which was played by Bruce Lee on a television series. Llama instead. I did consider the, you know, you don't have one green thing. So I don't think you're yep. Llama. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, could, I love the Pulps. I, I, I could, I could, yeah, the Pulps were great. I could talk about them. I, I continually reread them. In fact, I'm going to go through this uh, big book of uh, Pulps again. I just found it for the show. I hunted it down. Nice. It was in my, it, I got like 4,000 books here. I, nothing is in order. You got to look on each individual spine. I found it. Anyway, yeah, I want to uh, I want to look into that book. I'll probably pick me up a copy of that. Um, yeah, because I want to start reading yeah, you, the other poems just to get a feel for them. Yeah, yeah you'll get uh, you, you'll you'll be impressed. They're really good stories. All right, Pat. Well, uh, anything else you'd like to tell the kids before you get out of here? Anything you want to uh, plug? No, I, 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 
Yeah, the, the Hollywood Godfather podcast drops an episode every Wednesday, iTunes or Spotify. Uh, it's about a 50-minute show. We, we do a show. We do interviews. We have a couple of, you know, we have celebrities on every now and then. Paul Anka, a cast of uh, The Sopranos, uh, all kinds of people. And then all, uh, other than that, when we don't have a guest, we, we talk about uh, the mob and the movies. Uh, and uh, I think he'll enjoy it. So thank you, Pat Piccarelli. Always a pleasure. You're quite, quite welcome. It was, it was nice meeting you, Jack. Thanks. It was nice meeting you, too. I can't okay. talk too much about uh, the help stuff, but if you ever want to talk like Say by the Bell episodes, hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Jank, Pat is also a big Batman fan. Uh, we can oh, talk yeah. yeah. So, I, I don't, I'm yeah. not a big Batman fan, but... You and I were talking about The Long Halloween the other night. That is a, an audio drama on iTunes. It's free. Oh, uh, the Long yeah. Halloween, I believe it's I believe it's 13 episodes. I just started listening to it last night. Just oh, uh, 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 when you go into iTunes, just uh, search out audio drama, and the Long Halloween is the first thing that comes up. It's it's good. It's well done. I, I kind of like that they're bringing back audio dramas now on uh, podcasts. And stuff. There's quite yeah. a few, uh, there's quite a few to choose from. Probably 10 or 20. Yeah, uh, well, some some suck. The, 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 the production values. <laughs> no, really, you know, there's just a bunch of people talking. There's no music, there's nothing, no direction, uh, no oh. sound effects. But uh, yeah, this, the, the, the long Halloween, you, you can tell somebody uh, put some time and trouble into it. I mean, it looks, looks, sounds great. Check it out. All right. Maybe I'll check that out. All yeah. right, Pat. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. All right. You're welcome. Have touch. a good night, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There he goes, Pat Piccarelli. One of our favorites. And uh, he knows his pulps. Yeah, it sure does. Doc Savage. you got to check out Doc Savage, Jenny. He's great. <laughs> so good. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sad we can't find that movie. That's probably the, the closest Yeah, you can find the trailers and <laughs> stuff, me to but watch uh, it. it doesn't seem to be streaming anywhere, which is uh, pretty sad. <sighs> but all right, uh, let's check if our buddy Tuffy's still on the line. Uh, yeah. Tuffy. Hello. Hey, it's Tuffy, everybody. You, you forgot uh, Vincent Vega and Jules Winfield for your Pulp Heroes. <laughs> no, no, no. Those are different. That was completely different. <laughs> Although, uh, if you go back in the Pulp Fiction movie, when uh, John uh, Travolta's on the toilet before he gets shot, I believe he's reading a book, Modesty Blaze, and she was kind of a Pulp character, I think, in the oh. late 40s. So, yeah. so there's a tie-in. Look at that. And I mean, of course, the movie was named in honor of the the pulps because those are the kind of stories you would get in those magazines. The beginning of the movie, they give that same definition of what pulp means and everything. Yeah. So, uh, Tuffy, you're going to start listening to the uh, Doc Savage audiobooks read by Robits? Come on, you should give it a (laughs) shot. Um... Well, I think when once we've exhausted the Sedaris catalog, maybe we can do a live reading of Honest John <laughs> to kill some time. All right. We could try, yeah. Yeah. Put out an audio book. I'll be all over that. Yeah. Maybe that'll get Larry back <laughs> to play Larry. I want, uh, the, I want the Ed to read the uh, Churchfield audio books. Oh, yeah. That would be amazing. <laughs> 
<laughs> all right. Well, uh, last I'll give you all the money. Just show. back it up a wee in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> Our buddy the Ed told us about his trip to Dallas. The trip was three oh, days. Uh, one more the story thing. was six days. Yeah, go ahead, Tuffy. Uh, I just like to note that we've already covered our contractually obliged Colombo talk there. So no, <laughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> yes. We'll get to Colombo later. We signed a new contract. Um, yeah, <laughs> ended the term. <laughs> I keep I keep meaning to uh, create a uh, opening theme when we start talking about Colombo, but I keep forgetting though as well. So well, one of these weeks, all the theme. You better hurry. Yeah, we're I'm almost to the end here. Yeah, maybe six but, episodes uh, left. Well, we'll just start over again. It's no big deal. Ain't no problem. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the Ed told us about his trip to Dallas last week on the show. Jank, you were in Washington with your buddy Pete last week. So uh, regale us with two hours of details about <laughs> what you did in Washington. <laughs> wow, you, did, you don't have a lot of faith in uh, Hell Comes the Frog Town talk, apparently. <laughs> no, no, no. no. You're throwing me the ball for two <laughs> hours. <laughs> um, yeah, so me and my uh, my cousin Scooch, we went out to go see Scooch. Pete. Um, yeah. <laughs> How does he get the name Scooch? Um, basically, he's Pete's little brother, um, and you know he was always sitting on the couch, and Pete wanted to be on the couch, so I kept telling him to Scooch, and it just kind of stuck. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> yep. To this day, it's right. still what we call him. <laughs> So uh, we went out there. Uh, Scooch, by the way, a big hockey fan. So we were looking at maybe going to see uh, a cracking game while we were out there, but man, is it fucking expensive! <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, did, like, did even like the nosebleed seats were like two hundred bucks. Uh, we drove by. We didn't get up close because the arena is really cool. Like the the rink is set down into the earth. So like if you're on the street level Ooh. and you're you, there's glass windows, you can look in the glass and see the game going on down below. It's pretty cool. Really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. So, we should have just yeah. done that. Watch yeah. for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know how they work that. If you, they just let people watch for free the whole game? Or, <laughs> yeah. Like, move along. You only get a few minutes. Keep moving. Got <laughs> <laughs> to refresh. Yeah. Yeah, so we didn't do that, sadly. Uh, we spent very little time in Seattle. <laughs> Pete, Pete hates Seattle at this point, so uh, we pretty much the first night we drove in or we, we flew in, Pete picks us up at the airport, and then he's like, all right, we're going to swing by Seattle real quick during the nighttime when it's not so bad. <laughs> okay. And uh, that, that was our tour of Seattle this trip, which is fine since I've seen it, you know, the last couple times we were there. And it does seem like it's gotten much worse. Like, there's tents everywhere. <laughs> it's just a mess. What? There's tents yeah. in Seattle? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like the homeless thing is not running into Fraser and Miles. <laughs> not so much. <laughs> yeah, Seattle's a bit of a shit show. Um, so yeah, we went up to uh, to Pete's house. He's kind of in the in the north part of Washington. Um, that was pretty nice. We finally got to see his house. He uh, just bought a house this year, so we saw that. Um, his neighborhood's a little colorful. <laughs> what is that? Um, <laughs> there was uh, on our way, and he's pointing out this one house that uh, apparently it must be like a crystal meth house. <laughs> 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 They've got all kind of crazy shit written on the door, like "stay out, quarantine zone" or something. But it's been oh, like that goodness. for like a year and a half, so <laughs> I don't think they got the COVID. 
<laughs> I think they just don't want the cops knocking on their door. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, that was fun. And uh, then one of the nights, like, uh, we start hearing some weird revving across the street. And uh, we go take a look. And there's some kind of, like, domestic <laughs> dispute going on. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that was fun. It didn't ever like look like it actually got physical, but there's a lot of yelling, and the cops did end yeah. up showing up eventually. So, yeah, <laughs> it was an interesting time. <laughs> colorful neighborhood. But I, yeah. Now, Mike, yeah. we have the map to draw where oh. the bank is going, like we did with the head last week. No, I have to get my marker out. I'm sorry. Yep. <laughs> Nobody brushed their teeth the whole trip. I'll, I'll say that much. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Ed reference. Oh, all right, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were just not practicing proper dental hygiene, but I forgot the Ed. Joke. No, no, that's important. <laughs> yeah. um, but one of the one of the days we did go to the Funko headquarters. Wow! Did you tell Larry this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I sent him pictures. Wow! It was uh, it was pretty great. Let me uh, just uh, write up. that down. All right, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a, like a it's a it's a store that's on two different corners, and there's kind of like a bridge in between. Um, I guess one of the stores that's is weird. kind of pointless. It's more of an office thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a little strange. We just went into the one main one basically, but it's kind of cool. They got like a little Marvel area and like a little Star Wars area, and they got like you know giant Funkos of these characters and stuff. So it's pretty cool looking. Um, Do they have, they have some exclusives that you can only get there? <laughs> no, they because do not, they sadly. Get a load of this. Because uh, just the other day I'm thinking, hey, didn't I order that Oscar Funko, that new Funko was coming out? Like I ordered it back in yeah. like May or something, and I still never got it. So I'm like, I thought it was coming out in September. So I, I started searching through my old emails. Here, Target sent me an email like a month ago saying that because that Funko got uh, delayed, they canceled my order. But if I wanted to reorder it again, just click this button. And I never got that email. So, Oh, um, no. Yeah, I guess I could still buy the Funko now, but I'm like, oh, who fucking cares anymore? <laughs> I don't care. I think – I want to say I saw that one at the comic book store recently. Um, yeah. I guess me a I'll picture and I'll look it. next time I go. Well, I'll still I, – well, I can still get it. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll order it tonight even since we're talking about it. <laughs> but I forgot. I was just like, oh, fuck <laughs> it. Anyway. So did you uh, – By the way, I was looking fun- at the uh, the Alexa Bliss Funko, and I don't know. I'm not the biggest fan of it. Really? I'm kind of debating whether I should get it. Yeah. Why are you debating? It's Alexa Bliss. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it, it captures her too well. <laughs> maybe it's just that it's not the look I'm used to. Like it's kind of an older – Alexa yeah, Bliss. You, you like Alexa Bliss, like the twisted, scary Halloween horror Alexa Bliss. And this is like, uh, yeah. I think her Funko is like uh, when she was sparkly Alexa Harley Bliss. Quinn. Like, no, I think it was like her earlier one, like like pink and light blue and stuff, the costume maybe. Yeah. And like there's weird like dots in her hair. <laughs> I'm not sure what that's about. Well, she's there were or something, but. Yeah, she's. Like, uh, her finishing move in NXT was the Sparkle Splash, and she was kind of like a real girly kind of thing. Um, okay. So, yeah, that's an early incarnation of Alexa Bliss. But... Yeah, I might still get it. <laughs> I wish they'd make a new <laughs> You'll one get it. With their new look. But did you get any Funkos <laughs> yeah. while you were there? 
Yes, because we not only did we go there, but then afterwards we were going to go to this like uh, antique store that Pete knows about that apparently has like old Nintendo games and stuff like that. And uh, but instead, on the way, we we got some Mexican food, ate it in the car, <laughs> and when we were looking for a place to stop, we found this other toy store. <laughs> oh. So we ended up going there, and, and what's it that like, one had called? all kind of old shit. Uh, it was called Bobacon. Boba it's kind of like a combination of yeah. Boba Fett and Khan from Star Trek, I guess. Like, that was what their card was. Um. <laughs> I found it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that place was It's a Mexican restaurant. <laughs> Sadly, I got the, uh, the Seattle burrito, which was really good. Came with fries in it and stuff, like inside the burrito. So good. Yeah. But we ate in the car, and I ended up spilling, like, you know, burrito juice all over myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of like zip up my coat the rest of the time so I could hide the the weird stains. <laughs> that was less than fun. <laughs> but at least we you didn't there, get any a bunch uh, of Funkos. At least you didn't get any scooch on you. You know what I'm saying? Didn't get any scooch on you. Yeah. All right. Thank God. <laughs> so between those two stops, yeah, we were, we were stocking up on Funkos. And then later on in the week, we actually went to this comic book store out there that had some other Funkos. So I got some then too. So how many I Funkos came back did with you probably purchase? about ten Funkos. Ten Funkos. <laughs> all right, can yeah. you rattle them off? Do you remember them all? Uh, let's see. I got Magneto. Um, okay. I got Goliath from the Gargoyles. Now, now wait a minute. What what Magneto is this? Like classic Magneto with the helmet or what kind of? Hell Magneto? yeah, classic Magneto. He's kind of shiny. <laughs> Okay. A little shinier than most, but yeah, classic Magneto. Um, let's see, I got Leech from Masters of the Universe, who kind of looks just like the old toy did. And I thought he had the suction cup mouth, but it, even though it looks like a suction cup, it doesn't actually suction. <laughs> so that was kind of disappointing. <laughs> I was like, oh. You took him out of the box? <laughs> what are you doing? Take him out of the box? <laughs> That's how I do it. <laughs> it's part of my process. <laughs> Uh, right. let's see. I got uh, Batman Beyond. Um, okay. I got a uh, Spider-Man 2099. All right. I got the new Michael Myers, which is kind of better than the old one I had. The old one was like, the mask was super gray, like dark gray. It's like, I don't like that at all. It doesn't look like Michael Myers that much. But the new <laughs> one is kind of better. It's It's a lot whiter. <laughs> so I got that one. Um, I got a Mr. Plow from The Simpsons, <laughs> which is pretty that's, great. That's good. Yeah, Mr. <laughs> <Yep>. Plow. <laughs> Mr. Plow. Love that one. That's our name. Our name again is Mr. Plow, right? Is that the song? <laughs> yep. Yeah. You got it. I sing that every time I look at him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see what else did I get. Oh, I got uh, Wesley Snipes from White Men Can't Jump. <laughs> <laughs> that's odd. <laughs> you won't get Alexa Bliss, but you'll get Wesley Snipes. <laughs> white men can't jump. <laughs> Don't judge me. <laughs> uh, he's pretty cool. <laughs> I'm not sad about right. it. Um, and I think I think that's about it. It's pretty good. So did you bring an extra luggage with some extra luggage with you to take the Funkos home? You're like planned ahead. You're like, yeah, I have an extra suitcase. 
I should have planned ahead, and I sadly did not. Uh, I was kind of thinking we might have to go to the post office, and I would just ship them back to myself. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it turned out like we, we were checking a bag, and they're like, well, on the plane you can bring one carry-on item and one bag. So I'm like, all right, I'll just throw all these Funkos into one giant, you know, Funko <laughs> bag, and <laughs> that'll be my stowed item on the plane, and I'll keep my book bag with me, so. It worked out, and I had just enough room. <laughs> and when they looked through your bag and saw nothing but Funkos, were you embarrassed? Or did you think? Hey, <laughs> I should have been, but no. No shame. I should have been. <laughs> Not with Wesley Snipes from White Men Can't Jump in there. I was <laughs> proud of that one. I was beaming from ear to ear. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, Scooch hadn't had any Funkos till this trip, and I had no interest. And he came home with probably about eight. <laughs> wow. Like, what was he getting? Like, yep. comic book Funkos or movie Funkos? What was he into? He's big into the horror movie stuff, so he's getting a bunch of horror guys. I would kind of like to get a Scooch Funko, if uh, you could make that happen. <laughs> oh, you know what? He actually did make one. <laughs> oh. He made him and his girlfriend. Because <laughs> they have a thing at Funko where you can make yourself... Um, I thought about doing it, but like they didn't have any good options. They're, it's kind of limited. <laughs> it's like yeah. you could have a baseball hat, but you can't wear it backwards, only frontwards. Uh, I'm like, I never wear it frontwards. Fuck, you this. wear a backward <laughs> baseball cap? <laughs> yeah. Well, you can no longer be on the show. I'm sorry, but uh, <laughs> oh no, who <laughs> wears a backward baseball cap? Come on, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it feels better that way. Mike Dell walking around with his flannels and sweatshirts, never threw a baseball cap on back. <laughs> never in my life have I worn a backwards wow. baseball cap. Not once. Not once. <laughs> I'm very You're telling me Ken Griffey out to the home run derby, spins that hat around. Mike Dell at home. Nope. I'm very rigid <laughs> in my school hat. School. In my hat discipline. Always has to be, and I uh, the bill. I always really bend the bill. I really work it. It's uh, quite bowed. So yeah. What if I wear it like Wesley Snipes and White Men Can't Jump, where it's frontward facing, but the <laughs> bill is pointing like straight up? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that doesn't work either. That's that's ridiculous. You can't see that either. But, uh, Man, I don't know. You're a tough customer. I know. We'll have to. I guess it's just Devo Energy Domes from now on. I'm gonna have to take your uh, <laughs> your fake radio license. Have to reconsider this. Have to, oh no! Might have to revoke it. But all right. <laughs> well, Mr. I had a good run. Cap over there. <laughs> so. All right, uh, but you had a good time in Washington. Yeah, very good time. Uh, we played a lot of board games. <laughs> a lot of board games. <laughs> yep. Are you sure nobody actually, got the uh, Are you sure? There's any Funkos and yeah. board games. You probably. I know. Surprisingly, the ladies are all over. Pete, you uh, <laughs> Pete's going to a like a convention out there for board games this weekend, where he's showing off one of his games and. Uh, ah, nice. He's got like an actual table and everything, so that'll be cool. Does he ever make a monkey-themed board game? <laughs> he hasn't yet. I feel like it would he like time. to because I've got a lot of ideas. <laughs> oh like my to. god, he can make it happen. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, uh, I'm glad you had a good time in Washington. 
and that you arrived yeah. home safely with your baseball cap in the right position. <laughs> and, uh, actually, we'll keep that good. Yeah, the airplane was very small. Like, I don't know if it, I don't know if I'm just getting bigger, and then that's why. But like, <laughs> it seems like bigger. American Airlines is it seems very tiny. Like I was huh. having to try to like pour my you know eat my pretzels like with little T Rex arms. <laughs> There's just no room. <laughs> Man, was the plane just like full of people? Yeah, it was pretty pretty packed. So no like social distancing, and they just said, all right, we're all in a, in a little aluminum tube anyway, so we're just gonna pack them all everybody yep. in. And... Yep, there was maybe like one or two open spaces. One of the flights, like right before us, they were like, um, we've oversold by like twenty two seats. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> How do you mess that up? <laughs> so uh, some of you are going to have to hang on to the wings. Uh, we're looking for volunteers. Would anybody like to hang on to the wings? I mean, that's a lot of people to send later in the day. 22. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we had uh, on the flight out, there was one guy who got kicked off the plane before it, it started because he refused to put his mask on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good lord alright yep <laughs> he showed them <laughs> yep having to take a later flight <laughs> oops uh, alright well uh, that's some hey Tuffy did you go on any trips this week did you go anywhere no you, you know where I want to go <laughs> I want to go to Frogtown. That's right. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> so let's get into it. Hell goes to Frogtown. Hey, this was my pick. A very literal title, it turns out. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you right at the top. I love this Frogtown, right? Hell goes I love this movie. Frog. I thought this movie <laughs> yeah. was amazing. I was a big fan. Um, <laughs> yeah. They, this. This yeah. came out in 1988, the same year that They Live came out. Came out. Came out. <laughs> but um, I didn't look at like. <laughs> wow. I didn't. I didn't look at the months, so I'm not sure. I'm thinking. I'm guessing this was probably first, but I don't know. It's Rowdy Roddy Piper's Apex Mountain. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but uh, <laughs> it's at the height of his powers. Oh, all right. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, the uh, Hell Comes to Frogtown. Um, the, the writer here, I think, uh, wait, what was his name? Like uh, Franks or Frax. Who was the guy on Star Trek The Next Generation? <laughs> Frakes. Jonathan Frakes. Jonathan Frakes? Yeah, I don't know if he's related to the writer here, but uh, the writer is oh. Randall Frakes. And he actually <laughs> wrote Terminator and Terminator 2 Judgment Day with uh, James Cameron and... Uh, his buddy, they, he was. Wow. So, because when I when I watched this, I was like, "Wow, this is actually very well plotted, and like everything makes sense, like in terms of this story." Yeah. You know, and there's internal consistency throughout this story. Um, so I was like, I was I was kind of impressed by that. So it makes, I guess, he's an actual legit writer, then you know. What I'm saying so. Uh, mm-hmm. Hell comes to Frogtown. Tuffy, were you excited when I picked Hell Comes to Frogtown? Yeah, it looked. Uh, I like the poster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the po- there's a couple posters, but the one I tweeted out has uh, Roddy Piper, the shotgun, 
and he has a blonde woman on her knees, uh, scantily dressed, and he has a chain around her neck, and he's holding her on a leash. And, uh, yeah, so <laughs> that's something. So the premise here is after a worldwide nuclear war where 68% of the male population was wiped out and virile men became a rarity, Sam Hell, played by Roddy Piper, a scavenger and a highly virile man, is assigned to help rescue a group of fertile women kidnapped by humanoid frogs. <laughs> wow, like it's just in that this one sentence description, I'm in. Yeah, it's like ripped from the headlines. This is amazing. <laughs> I love this movie. What a, what a premise. Uh, so we got yeah. Roddy Piper starring as Sam Hell. Um, the main female lady, uh, her name is uh, Spangle. She's like a doctor for MedCorp. And uh, she's played by Sandal Bergman. I had no idea who she was. I mean, she's fine. She's an attractive lady. She, uh, for you wrestling fans, yeah, she kind of looks like Michelle Edie Falco Nicole. to me. No, I can see that a little bit. But she's like a long, lean, thin, like, uh, uh, Tuffy, do you know who Michelle McCool is, the Undertaker's wife wrestler? Yeah. Yeah, she kind of yeah. reminds me of like, that kind of build, uh, long, lean kind of lady. But uh, mm-hmm. my favorite in this is uh, Centalina. The, uh, she's played by Seth Verrill. She was like the uh, armed bodyguard lady will form the tough chick. Yeah. Oh, she is, am- I like her she is amazing. Corporal, I yeah, think she was. She is a very beautiful lady. And uh, mm-hmm. she has the decency to get naked. So thank you, Seth. <laughs> and she looks spectacular. Because uh, I guess Sandal Bergman, she said uh, she'd do the movie, but she refused to do nudity. So. Wow. That hurt it. But this uh, Seth yep. Vero girl, uh, she's so good looking. I'm like, where do I know this girl? I looked at her IMDb. She was on an episode of Cheers. Now, if I <laughs> uh, if I break it down, do you guys know anything about Cheers? Like, if I talk about this episode, will you know? Oh, Ted Danson is. Maybe. Well, <laughs> she was on the episode. Uh, the, the main plot of the episode was uh, Norm was painting Evan Drake's house. And Rebecca wanted to go over and see where Evan Drake lived because he was out of town. But when she went over to see his house, uh, Evan Drake came home unexpectedly. So Rebecca hid in his closet, and then Norm had to devise ways to get her out of Evan Drake's house without having her get caught. But the subplot of the uh, episode, Frazier said he was treating a beautiful woman, and she forgot something at his office, and she was going to – he was going to make an arrangement with her to pick it up. But he started talking to Sam about it. And he says, yeah, her thing is that she gets really turned on by dancers. Anytime she sees a dancer, she gets very sexually aroused. So he's trying to help her with that. So later, Fraser leaves the bar, and this beautiful woman comes in and says she was hoping to meet Dr. Crane there because she forgot something, you know, because it had an appointment or whatever. So Sam's like, uh-oh, here's that lady. And that lady was played by Seth Verrill, the same girl. And uh, so Sam starts acting like he's a dancer, and he starts hitting on her like he's a dancer, and he keeps, uh, you know, hitting on her stuff, and he takes her out, and he's trying to make the sweets we loved her, but he's not getting anywhere. So he comes back later, and he sees Frazier at the bar, and he's like, hey, what's going on here? I've been dancing my brains out. I'm not getting anywhere with her. And he says, oh, well, I actually sure did two beautiful women today. One uh, was about the dancers, but there's another one who was a pyromaniac. And then we hear fire alarms <laughs> going off in the background and fire trucks. And yeah, she set Sam apartment on his apartment on fire. Yeah. So. 
that's the comedy. Great. <laughs> but Seth Vero is amazing. Good Lord, this lady. All right. Yeah. Uh, is there anyone oh, else yeah. famous in this? I don't think so, right? Mm, the Frogs could have been famous. We never saw <laughs> yeah. who was playing them, so I don't know. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the budget for this movie was originally $3 million, and they cut it down to a million, so they had to restructure some stuff. But the uh, the special effects, I can't remember the guy who did them, but uh, $12,000. He did all that frog stuff with $12,000. And I thought the frogs looked really good. Uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It looked They're good. At least as good as the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Now, maybe that's why we didn't get to see the three snakes is because they cut the budget. Yeah. Yeah, don't, don't spoil the three snakes. But in that scene of the three snakes, uh, Spangle or whatever her name is, the the main lead, she was supposed to be naked in that scene. It was written for her to be naked and dancing, but she refused to do the yeah, nudity. That would have been but, better. But, but get this though, I know Tuffy's going to appreciate this. Jenk probably won't. But guess who was originally uh, thought of for the part? Sybil Danning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh shit! Could you imagine if Sybil Danning is in this movie? It's the greatest movie ever made. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got to look at where this would have fallen in Sybil Danning's uh, filmography. If we're talking, yeah, this would this would have been after yeah. Malibu Express and all that. So she would have been, you know, late. Yeah, years. I don't know about but, greatest movie ever then. <laughs> It would have been amazing. Yeah. If this oh, was yeah, your sister, sister is a werewolf, Sybil Danning, sure. But that's true. Even <laughs> at that point, though, she was getting a little reluctant to get topless, though. So, yeah, maybe by here, maybe she also. But if Sybil Danning's in this film and she gets naked doing the dance of the three snakes, holy hell, what a movie this is. <laughs> Good Lord. Well, it does seem like you could have gotten somebody else for that part. It didn't need to be this late. She wasn't like, yeah, I guess like so spectacular that you couldn't have got someone who was going to get naked. Yeah, I guess this lady, she was in Conan the uh, Conan the Destroyer, the second one. So I guess maybe oh. she had some uh, heat from that. Like, oh, she's a big star or something. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, you, like if you don't want to get naked, uh, all right, we'll get someone else. <laughs> yeah. You know. But uh, I don't know. I mean, she's attractive and all, but it's not like no one's buying tickets to see her. You know what I'm saying? She's not, <laughs> no. She's not yeah. Sybil Danning. She's not Seth Verrill. And by the way, uh, I guess originally they considered Pam Greer to play the Seth Verrill part. You know, Pam Greer's great, but uh, I don't know if you want – I'm fine with Seth Verrill, yeah. though. I'm very happy <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. No problem, sir. All right, so, uh, Jank, uh, why don't you tell us how this movie starts off? Oh, uh, so Rowdy Roddy Piper is being tortured by some guy um, because he supposedly sexually assaulted his daughter. Um, and then all of a sudden, yeah, I, don't, this, uh, this... I don't think he sexually assaulted her, though. That's what he says. But I, th- I think he was yeah, he just had yeah. sex with her. So her, his dad, yeah. the dad is saying, you, she wanted to be into you, so he, you obviously sexually assaulted her. But yeah, that kind of thing. Well, I think she said that he did, maybe because she didn't want to get in trouble with her dad, because then the yeah. lady comes in, she's like, oh, hey, your daughter, like, changed her story now, and now she said yeah. it wasn't sexually assault. So, because uh, she got pregnant. She got yep. Pregnant. <laughs> yep. Which is rare nowadays, because everyone's, yeah. you know, sterile. Because of the COVID shot. 
Here, I'll go out the therapy. <laughs> so then, uh, so because he's such a virile man, they like, well, you can't torture him anymore. He's property of the government. We got to have him to yeah. put babies in ladies because we need to start <laughs> having babies. That's a government in. weighing now. Yeah. <laughs> so then they uh, they take him in and they uh, start uh, talking to him. There's a lot of exposition at the top with this one lady. Yeah. The exposition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so they're they're looking for virile men to repopulate the species after these nuclear wars because they're still at war. But now it's a population war. They got to start building up people, you know, their armies, and they need babies. Yeah. So the so Roddy Piper. You can uh, you won't be arrested anymore or tortured, but you gotta you gotta serve the country by making sweet sweet love to every woman you see. That's basically <laughs> his job. Yeah, <laughs> what a tough tough job. <laughs> but but uh, they strap like this uh, chastity belt on them though, kind of. Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tuffy, explain this to the kids. <laughs> You pretty much explained it. They basically strap a chastity belt on him, and uh, <laughs> yeah. the one lady uh, can, like, zap him, and uh, – or does that come up later? Well, they explain there's it later flap. on. I know that. There's a flap. Yeah, there's, there's more. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, there's a flap so he can, you know, make water and uh, make sweet, sweet love. But if he tries to take the belt off, it'll explode. And uh, also, if uh, he goes too far away from the main lady, that uh, Spangle or whatever, it'll start to beep, and then it will, like, uh, cause him extreme pain as well. uh, Yeah. You know, it's weird, though. It's like, why go through all this trouble when he was already doing what they wanted? Like, they they kept talking about, like, oh, he would go from town to town and impregnate people and leave this trail of pregnancy wherever he went. Like, just let him do what he's doing. (laughs) He's getting the job done. But it was kind of like hit or miss, I guess. Where they want to put him, like, they want to make him like a stud farm. You know, they want to they want to really maximize his his sperm count. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. There's gonna be a lot of inbred kids if if he's like the father of all of this next generation. Hey, what can you do? <laughs> but, uh, so they they hear tell that um, there are some fertile women who got kidnapped by frogs. Because after the nuclear war, these mutant frogs have emerged, and they've taken over part of the world or something. I don't know. Yeah. It is interesting yep. that only the frogs seem to have mutated. It's not like, oh, all the animals yeah. have done this. It's just frogs. It's those damn frogs. So uh, they got to try and rescue these uh, ladies, these fertile women from uh, the main frog town. And uh, what's the main guy's name? Toady or something? Is that the main guy? Toady? I think so. Uh, yeah. The big bad frog. So yeah, they set out on their journey in their little truck, little pink truck they're driving, <laughs> MedCorp truck. And uh, Roddy doesn't want to be here. You know, he just wants to get the fuck out of here. And uh, so he tries to outsmart him. He's like, "Hey, I just got to go make some water behind that bush." And they're like, "Yeah, go ahead." Figure, yeah, see you later, suckers. And he starts running off. But that's when he learns out that no, the belt's going to give him, you know, crush his nuts and cause him a lot of pain. So he, he's tied into them. He can't run away. <clears throat> he's in for the duration. Nope. He's tied to their hip. Yeah. And uh, so then the, the, the first night they, they're camping out, 
they uh, pull over and they set up a little camp. Uh, describe this for us, Jank. What happens here at the campsite? <laughs> uh, so he's he's trying to go to sleep, but the blonde lady is kind of like she's wearing like a little robe over her underpants and stuff. And she takes the robe off and kind of starts going over by him and be like, hey, you should stay awake. Like, you know, we're going to have some fun. He's like, ah, you know, I'm just going to go to sleep. And she's like, no, no, look over here. I'm totally, like, ready to go. And then he looks and he's like, all right, come on in. And then she's like, oh, no, I'm just trying to, you know, make you horny so that your sperm count stays up. <laughs> yeah, this is all because that when he... Because he doesn't want to have anything to do with her because he's pissed. He doesn't want to be going along through all this, and uh, he, he feels like a dog on a leash, you know, and she's already zapped his nuts yeah. one time. So he wants nothing to do with her, <laughs> but she's being all sexy and stuff. So then he finally says, all right, let's go, and he pulls her in. But right when he's they're about to make the sweet, sweet love, she she controls the belt with her earring, so she pushes the button again on her earring to shock his nuts. And she says, hey, we can't have sex. We're not going to have sex, but I just want to – we're supposed to keep you aroused, to keep you potent, you know. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. sperms. <laughs> producing. So yeah. Yeah, this seemed oh, like good. a good job up front, but so far it's yeah. been a lot of a lot of shit. But when she goes to sleep though, Tuppy, then what happens? Yeah. Oh. Uh the other lady says, Hey, I'm not fertile, but I still want to see what's going on down there. <laughs> he got a reputation. Seth Veril. And she gets naked. She looks great. And uh, mm-hmm. and then she says, uh, well, how do I get down here? She says, ah, there's a flap, and you hear, like, a spring sound. And, yeah, she she unleashes <laughs> Piper, the flap. <laughs> but before they can make the sweet, sweet love, Spangler, or whatever her name is, she comes out, and she interrupts them. And uh, so they can't make the sweet, sweet love. So. Yeah. Yep. She said, that's government. Soldier, you're out of your uniform. <laughs> yeah, Piper's Wang is government property. You can't just be using it for your fun. You know? He's here to impregnate fertile women. So Alright, so the next day they're back on the road again and they're making their way. Ooh, but they find a lady running around in the wild. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh they take her in. And she all she was also foxy, but she was all dirty and stuff at first, mm-hmm. guilty, covered in dirt. Because she is a, she escaped Frogtown. She was one of those fertile ladies, but she escaped, and they found her. Uh, but uh, she's all scared and stuff at first, and they're trying to calm her down, and she's kind of like a wild, acting wild and crazy. And uh, they drug her eventually, don't they? Shoot her up with <laughs> it's like a Bill Cosby situation. They put some pills yeah. in, yeah. and and then they drug her up. And then uh, that Spangler says, all right, Piper, get to work. You got you to gotta impregnate this lady now. <laughs> and he's like, what? Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't seem right. <laughs> she's like all loopy and, you know, she's filthy. She hasn't even brushed her teeth or my teeth. Or anything, you know? <laughs> uh, but she's like, no, you got to get in there, you know, get to work, do your job. And he still doesn't. So then she starts to seduce him. She's like, oh, you just need uh, proper stimulation. And she starts stripping again and acting all sexy and whatnot. But it's like, hey, you know what? Uh, can I have Seth Verrill do that? Can she do that? <laughs> yeah. That'd be all right. <laughs> Bring her back. Can I make a request? But, uh, <laughs> the, but, but uh, Piper, you can tell he's starting to get smitten with this Spangler lady. 
So he's like, oh, come on. Yeah. And he's like, all right, just put your clothes back on, lady. I'll do my job. But but he's thinking of her while he's plowing that other girl. <laughs> yeah, it just takes sweet sweet love doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Although the other girl is definitely better looking. <laughs> yeah, once you clean her up and everything, yeah, she uh, she kind of looked like... Even with uh, just a little dirt on her, you know. Yeah, she looked yeah bad, you could bad. tell. Even when she was all dirty, you could still tell. Yeah, but, uh, it's like she is all that. Oh, she's wearing glasses and has her hair up in a ponytail. Oh, no. You can still tell she's hot. Because <laughs> uh, Spangler, if that's her name. I don't – wait, was her name Spangler? I keep saying that. Was that what it was? Or Something Spangler? like that. Right. But I think that's Ghostbusters. So. <laughs> uh, Spangle. Spangle. No R. Yeah, there you go. All right, but Spangle has glasses and her hair up in a ponytail, too. Or, she, or whatever. But she, when she takes her glasses off, eh, it's still kind of the same. You know. Yeah. Eh, you know, not that much. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but Piper does his duty. He puts it in that lady. And um, and then they when they wake up the next morning, uh, Piper and that lady are cuddling. And she's all clean now. She's clean. She's no longer a filthy mess. And uh, Spangle asks uh, <laughs> Seth Vero, he's like, hey, did you clean her up? She's like, nope, wasn't me. So now I guess what they're saying is Piper licked her clean. He just (laughs) (laughs) like a kitty. He just licked her clean. Or he just showered down upon her (laughs) load (laughs) and washed away all of her dirt. (laughs) But, yeah. So, uh. They clean this lady now. She's all cleaned up and stuff, and she's telling them how to get to Frogtown and what it's like and how they have the six ladies still captured. Because the other ladies are passives. They don't like to take action, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, <laughs> so they're just held captive by true. these frogs. But uh, so then they uh, Spangle slaps like this bracelet on her, and it's a tracking device. And she says, all right, you, you go ahead and back that way, and they'll pick you up. Don't worry. You'll be treated like a queen. But uh, But she's real... She's still smitten with Piper, though, you know. She's like, she goes over and hugs Piper, and he's like, all right, you run along now. I did my duty. I got to go and impregnate <laughs> all these other ladies now. So hit the road. Yeah. <laughs> what a job. Like, what a what a setup that is, you know. Just have the yeah. sex with the lady and say, hey, I can't stick around. I've got to impregnate the world. And they're like, yeah, that's cool. Because that's what we need. We need more people. So you go do your patriotic duty, Roddy Piper. You know? Yeah. No problem. It really is a setup for a porn movie more so than an actual film, but <laughs> <laughs> somehow they pulled it off. Uh, so they go into Frogtown, and when they get there, uh, Spangle has to pretend to be his slave. Because I guess that's how it is. Like, uh, dudes go into Frogtown with female slaves. I don't know. So she puts on a little leash, and she kind of dresses like uh, Princess Leia in, like, the Jabba the Hutt thing, kind of. Yeah, bit. but more like rags. <laughs> yeah, instead of And metal. not nearly as hot. <laughs> but, uh, so they go into the bar, and uh, they're trying to find out what the fertile ladies are. And, and the bar is just all frogs, giant, you know, frogs, people in frog costumes. Um, mm-hmm. But then he finds an old buddy that he knew, Looney Tunes, an old miner, <laughs> who uh, his old pal Looney Tunes. Yeah, he's apparently very, very old. Like apparently he was eighty when Hell was like a mm-hmm. kid. Oh yeah, <laughs> that is old. 
Yeah. He probably <laughs> liked he probably liked to read about the green llama when he was growing up. <laughs> <laughs> and the spider. So All right, so uh I don't know what happens now. Uh oh, the big fro- the big bad frog guy wants to buy the lady from Piper. Right? Not the big bad guy. First yeah. they're bartering with some other guy. And then Bull oh, comes in and says, "Nope, that deal's off. We're gonna have an auction. I bid five lilies. Any other bids? No. <laughs> Good, it's mine." Yeah, because he punched Piper. He like knocked him out. Because these yeah. mutant frogs have super strength, I guess, because they're mutant frogs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because the initial deal was for like fifty lily pads or whatever. Oh yeah. So. uh <clears throat> So they take the lady away, and they put her in uh, with the other concubine, the other six fertile ladies. And they're all, like, fanning her when she's on the bed. Because what was this about? They were trying to keep her temperature up. Is that what was going on here for some reason? Yeah, they were preparing her so she mm-hmm. would be ready for the dance of the three snakes. <laughs> yeah, she did the dance of the three snakes. So they're trying to prepare her for that. And... uh while she's in that room, then Piper is caught up in another room, and he's he's all shackled up. Um, the big bad guy wants to kill him, right? With a chainsaw or something? Uh, first, he wants to do something to his wang. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. going to cut off his chastity belt to... or whatever. Yeah. Piper's like, no, I'll make it blow up. Oh, we should mention before yeah. this. Uh, they also have a, a female mutant lady frog who's working at the pub as like a dancer. Arabella is her name, I believe. And mm-hmm. she's undercover there. She's trying to overthrow the evil frog guy. So she's working with Medcorp and the the humans. And she's their undercover you know, liaison there. And so now she wants to try and rescue... Or wait, no. How does this work? Because after Piper gets knocked out, doesn't she wake him up? Yeah, and she say, wants to make sweet love to him, and he tells her yeah. to put a bag on her head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. like because she's heard stories about him, how virile he is, and even though he's a human, you know, put your human wang in my frog vagina, and uh, he's yeah. like, no, 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 lady, come on. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he's like, it's this kink I have. Put this on. So he has her put a, a sack on her head. And then he's slowly backing out of the room. But then the other bad guys come in and capture him. Is that what happens? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Oh, cause, no, I think um, he starts realizing the beeping starts again. So he's like, oh, no, oh, yeah, the, that's the right. spangle is getting too far away. So then they start running to catch up with her. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, when he gets jumped again. Yeah. So they get him shackled up, and they're going to cut that thing off with the chainsaw, the belt, the chainsaw. Um, but every time when uh, when Spangle's getting fanned with the uh, whatever when she's in bed, like they keep hitting her earring, and it would keep shocking his nuts. Uh, yeah. And, and that frog guy, well, yeah, that frog guy had a couple good lines. I think earlier he had one where he's like, "Shut your hole!" He just yelled it real loud. Shut your hole! And it was pretty good. <laughs> and then, uh, and then when Piper was like freaking out because he's getting his nut shocked. The frog guy just looks at him. He's like, "You're a weird guy." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> You're a weird guy. <laughs> but so if 
eventually the frog guy, he cuts off the chastity belt, right? But uh, yeah. he's looking at it, and uh, Piper's like, oh, she lied to me because she said it was going to explode. And But then, boom, it blows up, and it, and it kills that frog guy, right? It knocks him loopy. Mm-hmm. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's still alive, I think, because he comes back later. But Oh, all right, yeah. But uh, So then uh, Arabella comes in and saves Piper, right? She cuts him down and stuff. I think, right? Yep. Sure. That sounds right. Yeah. And then when she's freeing him, though, that I guess that frog guy wakes up again, and he kills Arabella, and then Piper is angry because he killed Arabella, so he kills that frog guy. He, like, stabs him with a drill bit in the belly and, like, lifts him up. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> um, yeah. But because Arabella sacrificed herself for Piper, he now, you know, here we go. Here's the Here's the baby face turn. Piper is now, all right, well, I got to save the others. You know, I can't just be, I'm just not in it for myself anymore. I have to help others. So he goes to, because uh, he's free. He could go. He could just run away. He, the chastity belt's cut off, you know. Mm-hmm. He could go by his way. But now he's a hero because Arabella inspired him. So he has to go try and save uh, Spangle. But now, Jank, she's doing the dance of the three snakes. Uh oh! Describe this scene for everybody. Uh, so let's see. They bring her in in front of this head frog guy, um, and he's like, you know, I, I want you to dance for me. And she's like, oh, like modern dance or ballet or something like that. And he's it's like, no, the mom. dance of the three snakes. <laughs> she's like, uh, okay. <laughs> So she just kind of starts doing like a, you know, like a belly dance type thing. Um, she's pretty much fully clothed. <laughs> Not really that yeah. erotic. But, but imagine um, Sybil Danning naked. Holy hell. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been something. <laughs> uh, so this, the, uh, the big frog guy, he is getting more and more turned on. He's like his bubbles in his face keep blowing out and stuff like that. You can tell and he's it, getting it, way into this. And he's sitting, like, with his knees wide apart, and he, and he has, like, a long robe. But you can tell something's moving between his knees. Yep. <laughs> and it seems like staring. It seems like maybe more than one thing is moving <laughs> between his knees. Yeah, once you hear the dance of the three snakes, you pretty much know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, eventually he's like, all right, you've done it. You've aroused the three snakes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he kind of opens up his, his little pantaloons there, and uh, she kind of does a little count, and she's like, uh-oh, <laughs> there's three of them. Yeah, she, she Unfortunately, we never take. get to see any of it. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do not see the three snakes. But and they, uh, she sees them, and she's like, "Don't get the, I'm not getting anywhere near those things. <laughs> <laughs> they had done a nice bit of setup and payoff for this scene, too, because earlier in the movie, she was, when she was trying to arouse Roddy Piper, she explained that she had gotten seduction training but did a poor job of seducing him back then. <laughs> and at the start of the dance, she wasn't doing good, but then, you know, once she started feeling it, all of a sudden the three snakes came to life. Yes. <laughs> My snake came to life Boy, with a barrel got naked, but uh, not so much here. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Nothing she did really woke up, you know, my one snake, but uh, the, she got the yeah. three snakes going. <laughs> And uh, but uh, she just kicks him in the balls three times. Oh, I guess in the snake. She kicks yeah, him all three the of snake. them. Boom, boom, yeah. boom. Yeah. And then uh, 
his uh, frog bodyguards are going to about to shoot her with the shotguns, and that's when Piper kicks in the door, and he's like, "Eat lead, frog lips or something," and bang, 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 he just starts killing all the frogs, and uh, but then the main frog guy jumps because he's a frog, so he leaps uh, yeah. up into the rafters and he runs away, but uh, so then they get the, all the other ladies out, and they free the fertile ladies, and uh, and, and Looney Tunes. <laughs> Shoot, shoots a flare up in the sky to 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 get Seth Vero back with the truck to pick him up. Yeah, well, he shoots a frog with it too, doesn't he? Does he hit a frog? Yeah, he's shooting, shooting everybody. It? Yep. Yeah, he was shooting everybody with these flare guns. He was just <laughs> with the stopping power of that flare gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so they they get into the truck and uh, they make their escape. And uh, but he was wounded. Looney Tunes was wounded. So, but they mm-hmm. take them. Yeah. But, but they take him with them. And it, yeah, it looks like, oh, him. that was no point. <laughs> no, nah, Toffee, you can't leave him. <laughs> you got to pick him. So uh, they make their escape. Oh, the plan worked. Everything's great. Uh, we succeeded. And they're running away. But they get stopped on the road by some dude in a mask with an RPG. It's like the Wolverine kids Uh-oh. from Red Dawn. And like, <laughs> he's like, stop right there. And uh, so he gets them to come out of their truck, and he's holding them uh, hostage there. And he rips off the mask, and who is it, Tuffy? Uh, that guy from the start who was beating on Roddy Piper. Yeah, because he said he's going to get him. He's going to get him. So here he does. He comes back at the end to get him. And, uh, and then Jank, he's about to kill them all, and he's going to start with that broad. Is that what he calls her? Or he calls her, uh, he's like, I want to start with that broad. Because he's really mad at ladies. <laughs> he's like, women have taken over. Yeah. I'm sick of these ladies. All these pretty ladies with their boobs and vaginas. Get out of here. I don't want any of you. <laughs> so uh, he's about to kill her. <laughs> but Piper, Purdue, Jack. Uh, he tells the girl who's standing behind him to give him his sword. He's got the sword, you know, in the holster behind his back. And she's like, I don't, I don't want to. I'm passive or whatever. <laughs> He's yeah. like, just fucking do it already. We're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and so she kind of like inches the sword up so he can grab it. And he just he kind of does a over the shoulder throw, throws the, the sword right into the guy's chest. Yeah. Impels him and knocks him backwards off a rock. <clears throat> and so yeah. uh, the other ladies, uh, he said they're going to run away. And he's like, hey, I got to go finish this. He's going to go kill this guy. And uh, Spangle says, all right, uh, Sam, we'll wait for you. We'll wait for you. And you can tell they're like falling in love now, and you know. Oh, we should say that uh, Piper. We learn elsewhere uh, earlier in the film that he had a daughter who died in the atomic wars, and he wears a little necklace yeah. from his daughter, and uh, so that's why he's so bitter. Because um, he said, uh, "Don't you care about anything, or something, or don't you take anything seriously?" At the beginning of the movie, and he's like, "I used to take everything seriously, and then they blew it up." Oh, that was pretty pretty profound. Uh, yeah. Damn. I feel Tragic I feel the same story. way. I feel the same way. <laughs> like blew it all up. Well, so uh no, he doesn't he care about to... any of his other thousand children. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so he uh he goes to hunt down that guy and he finds him and it looks like the guy's dead because he's laying on his belly and he's kicking him with his foot and he's not moving. He says, All right, he must be dead. So he's walking away, but the guy rolls over and he was sleeping on the pit on the RPG somehow. He's hiding the RPG, <laughs> <laughs> and he's about to shoot Piper at the RPG, 
But Piper hears the guy's foot make some noise when he's turned around. So he he turns around and shoots the guy dead. Bye-bye. Shoots him dead. Good old Roddy Piper. Um, but then you think, all right, now it's finally everything's in the clear. Then you hear some explosions, some explosions, some like mortar rounds <laughs> are coming in. And uh, Piper uh, goes running out back to where they were. And here, uh, the, the, the pink truck got blown up. He's like, oh, no, all my fertile ladies are dead. And Looney Tunes. Although I think Looney Tunes had already died, right? (laughs) Didn't he die in the back of the car? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because he made some comment about, uh, I hope heaven is as sweet as this when he looked at all the the fertile ladies around. The fertile ladies. (laughs) So let me ask you this. Maybe in heaven Uh, he'll be fertile. So I guess they just left his body in that truck, right? So his body got blown up in that truck? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Poor little like, the ladies weren't in the truck. They they were out of the truck. But um, I'm guessing his body. Yeah. So Piper thinks all the ladies are dead. And then that main frog guy comes in on a Jeep and he's like that frog guy's like, Yeah, we got him <laughs> Like all happy they blew up the truck. But then uh Piper's like, Ah, not so fast there, uh, frog guy and he's gonna blow him up the RPG. He tells the other two frog guys to go run away. He's like, If you wanna live, you better run. And uh, then he's going to shoot the RPG at the main frog guy, but it won't work. So then, he takes, <laughs> then he takes out his gun, and he starts shooting at him, but the frog guy jumps behind the, the Jeep, and he's out of bullets. So uh, now they've got to do it the old-fashioned way. They've got to duke it out, man the frog, you know? And, uh, yeah, it is kind of sad that there was a whole Chekhov's rocket launcher there that never got used. <laughs> you introduce a rocket launcher, you better be blowing something up. Mm. Yeah, we never see their. Well, again, the budget got cut, so they probably they, they <laughs> said they had to rewrite some of the action scenes. So I'm guessing, yeah, they they couldn't afford to have an actual explosion. So uh, yeah, <laughs> Not like I did think there. a little of like the Star Trek uh, Shatner fighting the alien scene there too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, I can see that. So Piper and the giant frog guy they start fighting, duking it out, and uh, and the frog guy gets the upper hand on him, but then Piper. And this is a callback to his wrestling days. One of his best moves in his wrestling days was just poking people in the eyes. And that's how he gets to the edge of the frog guy. He pokes him in the eye. <laughs> and uh, so then he gets the advantage, and he's beating them up. And uh, they're fighting over to try and get the sword. And he, like, kicks the guy over the edge of the cliff, but the frog grabs onto his leg. And Piper eventually grabs the sword again and cuts off the frog guy's hand. And he goes falling and, and dies. <laughs> I thought for sure he was going to grab onto the cliff with his three snakes. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, who's more virile, Roddy Piper and his one snake, or that frog guy and three snakes? Uh, okay, that's <laughs> but uh, so the snake guy or the frog guy's dead, and then Piper thinks all the ladies are still dead, but see, he's all sad. But then he hears them, and they're calling Sam, Sam, and they find him, and she comes running over, and they're kissing and whatnot, and. Uh, but uh, but she's like, hey, don't get, uh, you know, not too much. She's, she goes to hit her earring because she's like, hey, we can't be, you know, doing too far here. But uh, he's like, hey, I'm free. You know, the chastity belt's gone. Yeah. No chains on me. Like Ultron. Remember Ultron? <laughs> that was great. Or no chains oh, yeah. on me. Or, or... <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, uh, but, she's uh, like, oh, why did you stay? Yeah, because I want to put my... Uh, my one snake inside you. That's why he stays. And he <laughs> yep. he wants to make sweet, sweet love to Spangle. But she says, hey, what? we can't do that. But first, you have to fulfill your duties. My duties? 
What do you mean? And then uh, they got the, the six fertile ladies. You got to you got to mm-hmm. plow all these ladies. And, uh, <laughs> and then what a relationship they have. I know. That's Look, great, we can be together, it? but first you got to bang all these other chicks. <laughs> what, what about this? What about this, though? After he plows all the fertile ones, because we know Seth Vera wasn't fertile, do you think he can do it to her, too? Like, you know, just in case? Or do you think Spangle will draw Maybe the line? Maybe her and Spangle make three with him. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh. There you go. <laughs> but I'm guessing Spangle will probably be uh, – she'd be the one uh, getting left out in the cold, if you know what I'm saying. But uh, <laughs> yeah. <make> three. <laughs> but uh, so Piper – uh, I think the end line of the film is hey, he looks back at all the all the ladies he's got to have the sex with, and then he he just kind of shrugs and sighs. It's like, oh, soldiers' work is never done, and boom, that's the end of the yeah. movie. I I love this. I thought this was very what good. an epic. Oh, I thought it was very good. No lie. Yeah. It moved like, along this quick. Is a, this is a legit good move. Like you don't even have to scale this on a bad movie. Like you can rate this as a normal. <laughs> I wouldn't movie. go that far. <laughs> yeah, you can it's rate not. This, it's not an eight or a nine or a ten as a normal movie, but it's a, you can rate this on a scale of a normal movie. Like the the plot and everything is like I said. There's logic here. There's consistency here. Everything makes sense. Sure, the acting, you know, <laughs> this is the greatest. <laughs> and uh, you know, I mean, the, the frog costumes are good for twelve thousand dollars. Yeah, I don't know if they're objectively good. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> come on. Yeah, you know what you're getting into. I thought they were pretty solid for movie, the eighties. Yeah. In terms yeah. of a movie about giant mutant frogs, uh, this is awesome. This is very good. Uh, there's some comedy yeah. in here. There's some action. There's a really smoking hot naked lady at one point. Uh, there's some other good looking <laughs> ladies in the background. Um, so yeah, this I enjoyed this immensely. Tuffy, what'd you think? Well, if I'm putting it on a regular movie scale, it's like a five and a half or a six. On our normal scale, it's like a yeah. it's like a nine. Yeah, I agree. I'm right with you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can't even argue with that. <laughs> yeah, so there we go. Nines all around. <laughs> yeah, it's just. I, uh, wish I knew there was a movie about giant frog creatures before. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's almost too like. good. It's almost too good to get like a, a, a ten on a bad movie scale because it makes too much sense. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing totally batshit crazy. Once you get past the big six foot giant frogs, there's nothing so crazy or loopy that it's like, oh my god, this is amazing. But um, I really enjoyed it. And like, if I, I know our buddy Fourth uh, and Twenty Six was making a joke on the Twitters where he said, "Oh, you finally reached the bottom of the barrel," you know, reaching the frog because I don't think he's there. <laughs> but no, this movie's very good. Like, I highly recommend. Yeah, it. and just so. Just so yeah. Forth knows, Beastmaster's always out there at the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> and like that, whenever you guys are ready, we can go reach for that bottom. <laughs> but uh, Hell Comes to we'll Frog watch Governor Gabby again before that. <laughs> Two big thumbs up, Hell Comes to Frog yeah, Also, well, if anyone's head. curious, Governor Gabby is the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> no way. Governor Gabby is awesome. <laughs> Uh, the best. Yeah. So anything yeah, else we missed? I, I about, like this movie quite a bit. Anything else we missed in this jank that you can think of? Uh, I, mean, I did kind of like how cowardly like the, all those girls were. There's <laughs> like, the, the, like uh, Spangles trying to lead him in like a revolt, and they're just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> we're gonna take yeah. the <laughs> <laughs> Yep. 
Yeah, when she I mean, gets taken out of the like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, when they come to take her for the dance of the three snakes, she like beats up one bodyguard and they're all ready to go. Two more come in and grab her and they just go, Nah, I think we're fine just waiting here. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That was good. That was good. Yeah, so there you go. Hell comes to Frogtown. It's on Tubi. Uh it's streaming for free on Tubi. Hey, do you guys have this problem on Tubi? It's been happening to me the last several weeks. But when we get to the commercial breaks, they'll play all the commercials, and then the movie won't resume. Does that happen to you guys? No. No? But, uh, like, I watched this one on my computer, so I don't know if it works better there versus through the cable box or whatever. Uh, Do you guys use the Tubi app or the website? Because I'm using the Tubi website. I go through oh, I'm using the my app on the TV fast app. Yeah, okay. See, I'm I'm using I'm just looking at the website on my internet browser on my tablet. So maybe that's probably why. But yeah, so it gets after the commercials play, the movie won't resume, so I have to like jump ahead and then I have to go back, and it gets kind of annoying. Yeah, yeah that's no good. No bueno. <laughs> but uh, there it is. Hell comes to Frog Town. So uh, I guess Jack, next week it's your pick. Okay, I'll take a look. <laughs> I'll look for something good. good. And if I, I can can't think of anything good, we'll pick Mikey and Nikki. <laughs> Sorry, no, Peter no, no, Falk. No. Oh, oh I, was say, I don't know what that is, but all right, yeah, Peter Falk. Because yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you listened to last week's show, Jenk, but Tuffy came up with a new rule that everything we watch has to have somebody <laughs> who is in an episode of Columbo. He really wants to do that. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> He was enthusiastic. <laughs> Yeah. No, I'm fine if the rule is we have to find some minor character who's a good-looking lady. Yes. Not That's anybody fair. who's in Columbo. <laughs> I got to tell Peter you, Falk is the sex symbol. The next time we give out the award to the Golden Quesadilla, uh, best lady, there's going to be some competition because we've had some beauty. Yeah. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is true. Hey, well, Jake, Madonna you... or is it Karen? You know, that's the ever. <laughs> Jank, <laughs> uh, did you scooch and Pete? Did you happen to watch Super Chick? You should all gather around the TV there in Washington and watch Super Chick. <laughs> no, I'm I'm probably gonna try and watch that at some point though. Now that I'm home, yeah, <laughs> catch up. Oh, because that lady's in Colombo. She's in that uh that wine episode. Any old port in a storm. Yeah, I heard you mention that. Yeah, yeah, I remember her being good looking on there. Hey, speaking of Colombo. Counterbalance. Now, we got to talk pleasant. about wrestling here. we got a pay-per-view to preview. In a minute, Toffee. In a minute. Jank, what, what Columbo did you watch? I saw three movies as well. Uh, me and oh, Scooch see, went so. to Washington. i got to tell you guys about that. No, no, no. no for next week. Columbo. All right. So I watched two Columbos. Um well, first one was episode six of season ten, A Bird in the Hand. Uh, I know you briefly mentioned this one a little bit ago. Uh, this is the one with Tyne Daly. And uh, more importantly, uh, Don S. Davis was in this episode. <laughs> Uh-oh. Did we lose Mike Dell? <laughs> Might have. Well, no. It's after. It's this after is what happens. Trying to squeeze Columbo talking. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> well, that kind of kills everything because, Jenk, I don't think you want to preview a pay-per-view. <laughs> I can try. You can tell me the uh, Well, there's name. no Alexa Bliss. <laughs> oh, I'm out. <laughs> there is Liv Morgan. Now it's time to say goodbye. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'm back uh, in. Yeah, this is, uh, this is Survivor Series, so you have champions from each brand fighting each other. And then you have a Team Raw versus Team SmackDown five versus five elimination tag team match. Uh, so, yeah, Liv Morgan's on Team Raw for the women with uh, Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley, Carmella, and Queen Zelina, which you should check that one out because Queen Zelina's pretty good, and I'm a big fan of Carmella. Oh, yeah, Carmella's on, uh, pretty great. Yeah, they're taking on Sasha Banks, Shayna Baszler, Shotzi, Natalia, and Tony Storm. And I think you know Sasha Banks, and Shotzi's great, and Tony Storm's great. And <laughs> that's I don't remember hearing about Shotzi, but that's a great name. Yeah, she's got like a little tank she drives around, too. Oh, my God. That's amazing. So, yeah, that one will be good. Uh, I don't really have anything to say about the Team Raw versus Team SmackDown. You got Becky and Charlotte in the Women's Championship match, which there's some heat on that because Charlotte, uh, I think we talked about that a few weeks ago. I think so. Yeah, what did yeah. she do? She didn't stick to the script when they were out in the ring because they did their draft recently, so they got swapped on brand, so they were supposed to exchange the championships because one's the Raw, one's the SmackDown. And uh, Charlotte was supposed to give hers to Becky first so she could hold them both up and be Becky two belts for a brief moment. (laughs) Instead, she just, like, tossed it on the ground to not give uh, Becky that pop, I guess. I don't really know. Oh, Yeah, and it's more of an issue of, you know, being able to trust the people you're working with to do what they're supposed to do since it's all, you know, a big choreographed thing out there. Yep. (laughs) Oh, boy. That should be good. They're actually going to be going at it, you think? No. um, Yeah, it's too bad Mike Dell's gone because there was a match on Raw this week. Uh, Carmella fought Rhea Ripley. And it looked like Carmella accidentally kicked her in the head. And then oh, they geez. were working a little stiff after that. <laughs> <laughs> There's bad blood everywhere. Yeah, but that might be one of those like, all right, you got me, so I'm going to, you know, take a shot myself and we'll be even sort of things. Oh. But because uh, I didn't really see much about that, but that's what I saw when I watched it. But that was pretty good. And Ooh. then – uh Damian Priest, the United States champion, fighting Shinsuke. That should be good. They're both good performers. There's not much story-wise. Are those the flippy and guys then, that Larry hates? Uh, no, neither of them are flippy. They're both <laughs> okay. pretty big guys. That'll be a sort of meat-slapping meat match, as Mike Dell likes to say. <laughs> uh, there's something called the Rock... 25th anniversary battle royal. I have no idea what that is. Hmm. Just throw 25 guys in the ring and I guess throw each other over the top ropes. Is The Rock coming back? I don't know. I don't think so because they haven't promoted anything with that. It seems like he'd have to do something. Like whoever wins gets to fight The Rock or something. 
Well, they've had the uh, Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royale before, and it's oh. not like he's coming back. They just have a big trophy with him. You never know. Maybe he'll be back, but <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, because there's been rumors for, like, years that The Rock is going to come back again at WrestleMania this year or that year, and I can't remember the last time he's wrestled. Maybe whoever wins this gets a uh, you know a walk-on part on Doc Savage starring The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I don't know why The Rock ever would come back to wrestle because he makes you know like tens of millions of dollars a year making movies. Yeah, really does. So he's busy fighting with Vin Diesel or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I feel like that's the easiest fight in the world. <laughs> Yeah. Diesel's like five foot tall. Yeah. <laughs> oh. And then uh, you got the Bloodline with their matches. You got the Usos fighting RK Bro, the tag team champions fight. And then Big E versus Roman Reigns should be pretty good, too. Ooh. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's Survivor Series. Is that on Saturday night or Sunday night? Uh, Sunday night, I think. Okay. Yeah, Sunday night. Six for that match. Usually for us, six or seven. I don't even know. Have they said but, anything about yeah. when Alexa Bliss is coming back? Um, I feel like she's been posting stuff on Instagram, like intimating that she'll be back soon. But I don't think they've actually said anything. Because I don't know how bad she was hurt or if she's just taking a break or what. Hmm. Or if it's like a personal leave or... Because uh, I don't know if she was just hurt or if she had surgery or what happened. Hmm. Yeah, take a look at that Funko, Tuffy. Let me know what you think. Should I get that, that Alexa Bliss Funko? <laughs> uh, it's a little bit older, so I think it's a little bit pricier than like a normal Funko at this point. Yeah, I'm seeing it for like at least forty-five dollars. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think you need that Alexa Bliss Funko. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, like really it's, old. It's, I feel like <laughs> it doesn't look that great to me. No. I mean, I'm not uh, a Funko collector in the first place, so I, I lean towards no as it is. <laughs> that, oh, my God, the Toy like we went to other... in Washington, they had a, uh, a Hobgoblin Funko for 150 bucks. <laughs> I was like, I want it, but I can't. I just I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. So do you keep them in the boxes or do you take them out? Yeah, I take them out, but I keep the boxes. So, you know, if you okay. get them, pop them back in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because do, do you have other wrestler Funkos? Um, I have one WWE Funko, which is Mr. T. <laughs> okay. So yeah, not, I don't think a big you need the Alexa Bliss one. Yeah, if they made a new, like, Alexa Bliss, like, with Lily and all that stuff, like, I'd be, I'd probably get that one for sure. Yeah. I don't know why they haven't yet. Surprised. Yeah, with wrestling, with you know people changing gimmicks, they could put a new one out like every two years, basically. Yeah. 
Well, apparently there's like three Oscars, right? That's what Mike Dell keeps getting, so. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, I'm surprised there's not more Alexa Bliss ones because she's pretty popular, too. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. Well, Only for Soup had their way, I'm sure there'd be more. Yeah, speaking <laughs> of next week also, next week is Thanksgiving, so I won't be here on Friday probably. Oh, no. Well, I forgot like about that. Mikey and Nikki. <laughs> Watch all the yeah. Peter Falk movies while you're not here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, what else? Letterkenny's coming back on Christmas. I saw that. Yeah. Saw that little teaser. Not a whole lot given away in there, I would say. No. Other than, no. Other than like the Glenn stuff where he's like at the hospital <laughs> dressed like a nurse or something. Oh. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited for that. Yeah. That show is just great. Yeah. I need to rewatch all of that again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, did you watch any movies this week? Yeah, I watched a couple. Um, have you seen yet the uh, the Rocky Four director's cut? No. <laughs> so I sadly decided to throw in the three bucks and rent it this week. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'm curious. I got to know what's what's going on here. Um, yeah. It's very choppy. <laughs> uh it flows, like, much worse than the original did. Um, I would definitely watch the original again if I, you know, have given the choice. Um, there's some stuff where it's like, okay, this was a deleted scene that I'm not mad that it's back in there. It's fine. Like, there's some stuff where, uh, like, right after Apollo dies, they, there's a scene where Rocky goes to talk to the boxing commission and tries to get them to sanction a fight against Drago. Which is like, okay, that makes sense. Like, that's that's good. <laughs> Instead of just a quick cut to like, oh, he's already given up the title and going to Russia. It's just like they actually, you know, build that up a little bit. And like, we can't like, what we can't like sanction this. Like, what if you die too? Like, this looks so bad for our sport. So it's kind of cool to see that kind of stuff. And there's some more scenes with him and Adrian a little bit here and there. Um, but a lot of it, they they had butchered the shit out of that movie. <laughs> yeah. Like. I love the original, and this just – they cut out the robot. They cut out pretty much most of the stuff with his family. Like, all this – it's pretty much – at the beginning of the movie, it's now – instead of just, you know, they usually show the, the kind of a recap of the fight from the previous movie. Now yeah. it's probably like a 10-minute long recap of Rocky Three, where they show him losing the first fight and, like – him and Apollo having their talk in the gym, and then the the fight with the training, and then like the fight in the, you know at the end of the movie, and they they completely cut out even the scene from the end of, the, of Rocky Three where they're having the you know the private fight, like that's how yeah. Rocky Four starts again by showing that, but they cut that out, like the cool like boxing gloves, like the American one and the Russian one that like crash into each other, like that's all gone. It's just it's huh. basically the first actual scene of the movie is Apollo in his pool playing with the dogs when he hears about the Russians. So like all the stuff with uh, Paulie's birthday and the kid videotaping him and it being Rocky and Adrian's anniversary, like all that's just gone. <laughs> now, um, yeah, see, this is confusing because it says I'm looking at the Wikipedia. They cut out all the robot stuff, but I'd always heard. Mm-hmm. 
like uh, Stallone loved the robot because his kid had autism or something and really yeah. liked the robot. It's like, why are you cutting yeah, out the robot? That... <laughs> Especially, if I mean, if it, it says, was a real robot, it's not like they made this up out of nothing. It seems preposterous, yeah. but this was a real robot. It's also an excellent, like, the movie, it's not like you can take it out of the context of when it was made. It's about the the tail end of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you're going to strip it out of the late 80s by taking the robot out of the film. They did try. I mean, they, they couldn't get rid of the Cold War stuff, but it did seem like they toned it down quite a bit. Um, okay. Like near the end, they used like an alternate take for the ending instead of the, you know, I could change and you could change. Everybody could change. Yeah. Instead, they use like an alternate take where it's like very subdued and Rocky's just kind of like, you know, everybody could change. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And like the Russian guys, like I'll just get up and they look kind of angry instead of like clapping and, you know, oh, the Cold War is over. It's just kind of like, oh, yep, they're kind of angry and walking out pissed. It's uh-huh. like, oh. <laughs> this kind of takes some of the emotion out like, of it. I get uh, when George Lucas redid the Star Wars, did the special editions, like he wanted to update the special effects to all the newest, latest, whatever, wherever he could. Mm-hmm. I understand that because that's not a movie that's tied to a specific human time period. <laughs> yep. So you're more of like I mean, taking whole... advantage of modern technology, not to change the story, but to change the production of the movie. This sounds like he's trying to like modify the story of the movie where it's like this movie is a timepiece. It's set in the late eighties. It there's a stupid robot. There's a cold war with Russia that sets the whole context for the boxing match. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that seems dumb. Yeah, they cut out they cut out the whole scene like before the the uh you know, Apollo and Drago fight where they're in the in the uh, like the dressing room, and uh, they're talking okay. about you know snails and nails and all that stuff, and, and kind of the last moment between you know Rocky and Apollo before this all goes down. That's very like foreshadowing heavy. They cut that out. Like the whole part with Brigitte Nielsen talking to Apollo's wife and being like, "I hope we could be friends after this." Like they cut all that out, so everything just moves along like way too fast, and you're like, "I can't even like keep up with everything that's happening here." Yeah, <laughs> they don't let anything breathe really. Because Stallone directed Rocky IV, I would imagine yeah. by the time Rocky IV rolls around, I don't know if he would have had final cut of the movie, but he's got to have a lot of input in that final edit for him to now do a director's cut where it's like, it's not like you shot the movie and somebody else put it together. You were the star writer <laughs> director. <laughs> yep. It's just that he thought these this were good just... ideas at the time, but now people make fun of it. So he's like, I got to go back and fix it. But, People yeah, have learned to love that stuff. Years later, like crazy old man to change his movie. <laughs> yep. Some of the, oh my God, some of the most glaring stuff was the, the final fight with Rocky and Drago. Like, you could tell where, like, they're using alternate takes and kind of, like, because some of the footage <laughs> looked a lot better than the old footage did. Like, yeah. like, clearly this was HD and, like, this was from the actual film, so it looked, you know, whatever they were using at the time, so mm. you can tell the difference. And then there's, like, one weird part where, like, I think Rocky gets da- knocked down the first time, and there's, like, a voiceover that comes in, which I'm pretty sure was new because it sounds like old man Sylvester Stallone, and he's just like, breathe, get up, don't be scared, or something like that. It's like, this doesn't add anything. 
What do I need yeah. this for? It was all on his face. Like, yeah, <laughs> you don't need this voiceover. I also don't understand because, like, I get that Rocky Four people make fun of like the sort of eightiesness of it all, but it's one of it's a lot of people's like favorite Rocky movie too because of that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's the most like, did not fun to watch. People <laughs> love this movie. Yeah, find a way to make five good. It'll probably yeah. only be like 30 minutes long, but... That's the one that's the director's cut to try and fix it. Yeah. Put a robot in the just... I think it's oh, in there a little bit. Amazing. I can't remember. <laughs> that's the one thing they don't have to sell, like the tax auction. You get to yeah. keep the robot. Nobody else wants him. And then the robot, like, walks, you know, the, the son to school every day. Yeah. Just replace the uh, – I can't think of the young kid's name in five. Just replace him with the robot and have the robot box. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be amazing. Like your son was in a car accident. We can only save his brain. We put it in this robot. <laughs> now this robot is your son. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, that would be a movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I watched that. Um, let's see what else. Yesterday, I did go see Ghostbusters Afterlife. Oof. Um, <laughs> yeah. I so wanted to like it. Like, I really did. <laughs> but yeah. in the end, I just, I, I didn't really care for it that much. Um, it's not very original at all. It pretty much seems to retcon out Ghostbusters 2. Which makes it kind mm-hmm. of small when, when like, they go back to Gozer already. It's just like, well, so you're saying, like, the only ghost activity is when Gozer is around? That's it? Like, other than that, <laughs> there's just no ghosts. <laughs> You've got nothing else. And it goes through all yeah, those same kind of, of things again. Yeah. <laughs> like, the first ghost they go, these kids go after is, it's not Slimer. They call him Muncher, and it looks sort of different, but it's basically Slimer. Yeah. And, like, it does all the same stuff with the key master and the gatekeeper and the dogs. And it's like, fuck, can we have something that's original here? Yeah. Well. And it's just I don't the, know. the humor was no, off. Like, it, it, it never really got very funny. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, one of the kids, like, that the little girl is friends with is, like, this kid at school whose name, he's, he has a podcast. So his name is Podcast. That like even on his Ghostbusters like uniform, he the writes Podcast. In school these days, probably has podcasts. Yeah, <laughs> that would not be a yeah. unique thing for people in school. <laughs> He's always walking around with headphones and like a boom mic and shit. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, that is feels this? like like some fifty year old wrote this movie and said, oh, I, "I think these kids like podcasts, but probably just the nerdy kids." It's like the AV Club these days. Yep. Yep, it's the modern equivalent of that from Stranger Everybody things. listens to podcasts. <laughs> oh, yeah, not so good. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was cool to see the old Ghostbusters come back for a little bit, but yeah, overall, I don't know. Not a huge fan. Does Bill Murray um, show up in this one then? Yeah, he did. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you can yeah, kind of tell they when they're going to show up. Or... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, even Janine came back at the beginning of the movie. 
Um, so that was cool. Ernie Hudson held up the best out of any of them. Like he really like he basically <laughs> looks exactly the same, just a little bit of gray. Other than that, yeah. totally the same guy. But Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd, you're like, oh god, time has not been kind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh boy. And they, uh, it seems like they they, I mean, they kind of had to do it this way, but they, I don't know, just the way they. It feels like they did Egon dirty the way they did this because, like, he was living in seclusion for all these years and, like, nobody believed him. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, well, why? Why would they not believe him? Like, Ray is still running an occult store. Why did he not believe Egon when he was talking about this, you know, end of the world shit? Yeah. That's sort of like uh, the new Star Wars with Luke Skywalker where it's like, why did he decide (laughs) that the Jedi are bad now? Can someone explain that? Like, I kind of like when they're all friends and doing things together. Why do they all have to hate each other 20 years later? Yeah. <laughs> don't need that in yeah. my movie. People, some people just stay happy in life and don't turn into uh, miserable old people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it would like, be nice to see oh, that he happen. He was real enthusiastic and taught me, told me all these stories about when he was a Ghostbuster. And, look, I found all these things in the attic here. Yep. No, instead it's, oh, he abandoned his family to go live on this dirt farm. (laughs) Okay, great. (laughs) Even have the movie be that Egon Spangler, the character, just passed away. And, oh, look, in his will, you know, he gave his granddaughter, who he loved so much, this old firehouse that he still owns or something. Yeah. And the Ghostbuster stuff all been packed away for 25 years, and then at the funeral she meets these other Ghostbuster guys after you know some something like that that keeps it like fun and exciting. Mm-hmm. That would be nice. And not miserable. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they got to tear down everything just so they can restart it all over again. And I just yeah. I don't get it. You can just have them pass the torch. That's fine. <laughs> Doesn't have to be. Yeah. Wait, we, everyone forgot about this. Yeah, like you could just have the first 25 minutes of the movie be, oh, Grandpa Egon died, and he used to tell me all these stories about being a Ghostbuster. Now he left me this firehouse, and at the funeral I met these other guys, and they briefly introduced me to, like, this is a ghost trap, and this is how it works. You step on it, and then, you know, the next scene is, oh, uh, they went somewhere, so they can't be found, and now there's a big ghost outbreak, so me and my friends have got to figure out how to be Ghostbusters or something. <laughs> yep. That would be that like would find make a lot some Deus Ex Machina to make the actual Ghostbusters unavailable, so these kids have to figure out how to be Ghostbusters with all the equipment that they have available at their fingertips, but they don't quite know how to use. Yeah, and that's that been, I don't know where this left off really because like, are they going to let these kids just be Ghostbusters now? <laughs> like that seems terribly yeah. impossible. Like I get that they were you know all you had in this kind of pinch right here but are you really going to just be like okay it's all yours now yeah because again if you did a story like what i said (laughs) at the end of the movie you could have oh these kids have you know they've learned how to do it but now the real ghostbusters are back and so they're going to be passing the torch to them like they'll be managing the business the kids are sort of gonna you know learn on the job now or something yeah like interns yeah, I feel like it wasn't hard to break a general plot for this movie in about five minutes that would have been better than what you described. 
<laughs> yep, you're not wrong. <laughs> um, let's see. The other thing I watched was uh, the new Wrong Turn movie. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Oh, you never saw any of the old uh, Wrong Turns? Like the first no. one was um. I want to say it was like 2001, 2002, something like that. Uh, Eliza okay. Dushku was in it, which is mainly why I watched it. <laughs> it's like four series? Yeah, yeah. Like they basically get okay. lost in the woods and there's all these crazy hillbillies trying to kill them type thing. Okay. Um, so this was like a reboot, but weirdly enough, it was like I think the same writer from the first movie. I guess he was just like, well, if someone's going to reboot this shit, might as well be me. <laughs> so he yeah. did it, took another stab at it and just went in a whole different direction. Um, it's pretty good. It's, uh, it's definitely not bad. It, it kind of like sets up similar where you're like, oh, I guess these are just crazy, you know, hillbillies again. But it's a little bit more to it than, than that. So it does kind of, I don't know, twist it on its head a little bit, but in a way that's not super terrible. Yeah, because they, I think there was six of those other movies, and they kind of had run it into the ground by the end. Okay. So I guess it was time that they needed to kind of refresh it. Yeah. But were like original cast members back in this one? No, no original cast members. There's like a brief mention in this movie where like uh, someone's like, oh. Like your little brother rented another movie with inbred cannibals in the woods or something like that. So it kind of makes it seem like, you know, that movie is in this universe as a movie type of thing. Like they were watching Wrong Turn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, their Wikipedia page has a list of characters by which film they're in, and it's a lot of changeover, it looks like, movie to movie. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Just when you get the Wikipedia page, like Eliza Dushku or Henry Rollins, I think was in the second one. But by the end, it was like, yeah, of who's who of nobody. Yeah, <laughs> I'm assuming these were all theatrical release, but I wouldn't be surprised if we weren't direct to video or streaming by like five or six. <laughs> yeah, definitely by then we were. I mean, it may have been after two that they were down to okay. that. Okay, <laughs> it didn't last too long. Yeah. Uh, but, have you watched anything else? Uh, a new season of Curb. Oh yeah, there's another episode of that this week. That was fantastic. I got to um, on that. I started watching it recently. I just like try to give it a shot, and I think I've watched like the first three episodes. That's about of it. the new season, I got or a lot like, of catching. Have you not watched uh, from the beginning? The show. Oh yeah, yeah. I'd, <laughs> I'd yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of catching yep. up because that's what about a hundred episodes it looks like. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> yeah. So by next July, I mean, I'll be ready. Like I feel like it's kind of like Seinfeld too, where at the beginning it's a great show and then it just keeps getting better as you go. Because uh, it gets yeah. like more complicated and like there's not quite a cast changeover because it's still Larry and Jeff and, but at some point he does divorce Cheryl and then he, uh, Leon gets introduced, JB Smoove and, oh yeah. Like reignites the show basically. I don't know. Super Dave shows up at some point, which I'm excited about. Yeah. Yeah. He's like a recurring character for sure. 
Nice. But yeah. Yeah, definitely check out Curb. How's the new season? Uh, as good as ever. <laughs> this nice. week's episode was just fantastic. <laughs> what was it about, bud? Uh, so, <laughs> Larry, uh, there, it's kind of like Seinfeld where there's a couple intertwining plots. Larry is like, uh, sure. he goes to see, like, Vince Vaughn has kind of replaced uh, Super Dave, I guess. Because I think he's a Funkhauser technically in the show. Oh, okay. Um, so he goes to see Vince Vaughn is dating some new person who's like an optometrist played by Kaylee Cuoco. So he goes to see her, and uh, he's got his eyes dilated then. And uh, <laughs> when he's walking out of a coffee shop, he bumps into like a Ku Klux Klan guy going to like a protest thing and spills coffee on his robe. So Larry's like, well, yeah, the polite thing to do is I got to clean that for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> so he goes to get it cleaned at like a Jewish cleaners. And the guy's like, are you serious? <laughs> you want me to clean this? He's like, I spilled coffee at it. It's my responsibility to get this clean. So that guy loses it. So then he gets Susie to make a new robe for him. Uh, <laughs> he had done Susie a favor by taking a rabbi golfing or something. And, yeah, it's just – it's just a great episode. <laughs> oh, God. That sounds pretty good. Then the other thing is he convinces uh, J.B. Smoove at the start of the episode. He's talking about how, uh, you know, J.B. Smoove feels uncomfortable eating watermelon because it just plays into a stereotype for a black guy to eat watermelon. He's like, no, you need watermelon <laughs> delicious and you deserve to eat it. So they go to the grocery store and Leon's like walking up. Uh, very cautiously to the cashier, and he's like, I'd, I'd like to buy this this watermelon. And then Larry's standing with <laughs> him, he's like, yeah, and uh, and I'm buying this gefilte fish. That's right. He's buying watermelon, and I'm buying gefilte fish. Look at us. <laughs> <laughs> There's an ongoing plot for the season where Leon is trying to meet a woman named Mary Ferguson because he was dating a woman that he was going to take on a trip to Asia, but then he broke up with her, so he needs to find someone with the same name so he can transfer all like the plane tickets and stuff. Oh. <laughs> so at the end of the episode, nice. Larry goes back to the eye doctor and then his eyes are messed up again and he crashes into a car driven by a black lady named Mary Ferguson. So he brings her back to the house and it's just Leon and another guy just like uh, gorging on watermelons. And she's like, what, what is this? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's yeah, it's great. <laughs> The yeah, whole season's been good up. so far. Oh, and really, great. like, you don't need to start at the beginning, I don't feel like. There might be some character stuff you miss here and there, but it's kind of like Seinfeld where, like, if you jumped into Seinfeld, you wouldn't necessarily know where you are with, like, George and Susan, or there's plots that carry on through episodes, but generally you can mm-hmm. kind of jump in where so you could I know probably at least start like, at like, what was that, season three or something was very, like, interconnected. Like, <laughs> all the stuff kind of came yeah, back. Yeah, there are the seasons. Season. Yeah, that's the restaurant one. Yeah. And, like, the the season where uh, Leon and his family move in, I think that's season six. Like, there are through lines because it's them moving in. And then uh, there's other stuff where it, there's continuity stuff, but I feel like he could jump in watch the four episodes of this season and watch it new 
and then go back and watch the old ones at the same time and not really miss anything in the new season. Okay. Yeah, maybe I'll do that. But, yeah, it's – because, yeah, like there's stuff in this season because Larry's trying to – he's pitching a new show to Netflix and through some, you know, curb Seinfeldian type stuff, he has to cast some – daughter of like the guy who owns the Mexican restaurant near him or something. So like there's stuff that carries through the episodes with that, but I don't think there's anything really in this season outside of knowing that him and Cheryl are divorced, which you would figure that out from context, but (laughs) otherwise you're pretty much going to be caught up in everything. Or she pretty much gone. She was on one episode this season. Um, So she still shows up in the show. It's just not every episode. Okay. But, yeah, I would say start – catch up on this season and watch it as it goes and then go back and watch the old ones at your leisure. Oh, man. So much I got to go back and watch. <laughs> but I'm almost yeah. the end of Columbo. Only a couple left. Oh. Yeah, and Columbo, those are like <laughs> feature-length episodes basically. Yeah, they're kind of like an hour and a half to an hour and 45 yeah. minutes, somewhere around there. That's like yeah, three Curb episodes for every Columbo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure is. But, yeah, that's pretty <laughs> much all I've watched. I don't think – yeah, I didn't watch anything else last week because I was busy Saturday and Sunday, so I didn't even catch up on my normal stuff. But uh, other than Survivor, that's been pretty good this year too. Yeah. You know, Did they ever get that usual. monster? No, no monster. Damn it. Just a lot of <laughs> uh, survivor shenanigans where it's like four people have idols or extra votes or whatever else, and it's like, you guys might need to cut back on some of these things at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just let them play. Yeah. Because well, even this week, because they – I think it's because they had to quarantine before they started shooting so that – the two-week quarantine was built into their 40-day production schedule, so the season's only 26 days. Yikes. <laughs> so, like, this week, they're, the tribes of MERS are down to 10 people, and they said, all right, we're going to split you into two groups of five for this challenge. Each group, one person will win immunity, and then we're going to have two tribal councils, and both groups of five is going to vote somebody off. Which I'm oh, assuming man. that's just, you know, condensing the schedule, basically. Yep. <laughs> Every week's like double yeah. eviction. Yeah, so it moves quickly, but it's been pretty good so far. Good casting. Is this year, all new say, people? There's no. Yeah, all new people and uh, a lot of like good cast members. I would say not a lot of duds. Ooh. So, yeah, it's been pretty good. Do you hear anything about uh, Celebrity Big Brother? No. I know they said that was supposed to happen, but I don't know if that's yeah. after the new year or when they start that. Yeah, I want to say it's usually wintertime sometime. Probably after, yeah. after New Year's. So I'm trying to remember the last time they did that, if that was the same year they did Over the Top. Or I think they've done two seasons of it. Let's see. Yep. Yep. Uh, 
Yeah, it looks like the last two times I did it, it started airing late January, early February. Premiere date is February 2. Oh, shit. For the next one. It's only going four weeks, it looks like. So it's like the month of February, basically. <laughs> four weeks. That's easy. Oh, I forgot they always abbreviate it. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess when Tom you're Green asking, can't like, be away from home that long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that was one thing this year when they kept talking about the first black Big Brother winner, and then nobody mentioned, like, uh, Tamar Braxton and Ricky Williams were the final two on Celebrity Big Brother. I yeah. know it's not the, like, flagship show, but... That should still count. I did feel like it's like if you if anybody's a super fan, they should know mm-hmm. <laughs> that Celebrity Big Brother did Big have Brother. a black winner. <laughs> yep. But yeah, because Ricky Williams was great that season too, and like a oh, good yeah. Big Brother player, I felt like where oh, he yeah. probably should have won. I thought, but. Yeah. Yeah, from what I remember, yeah, it sounds about right. Definitely better than Meta World yeah. Peace was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. I don't remember playing out real early. Uh, um, Marissa Jarrett Winokur one season. Oh, one. yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That was disappointing. <laughs> yeah, so have, like Shannon Elizabeth, I think, and uh, yeah, Sugar Ray. <laughs> yeah, Mark McGrath. I do remember. I don't know who's going to be on it this year because, like, Tom Green was great. Ricky Williams was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even remember Lolo Jones being on there, but oh god, I remember that. She was crazy pants. Yeah, she, <laughs> she was just nuts well, she, the whole time. Yeah, because she's been on uh, MTV's The Challenge. Like, they've had all-star editions of that where she's been on. And then she was on a regular season, and she was just insane on that. <laughs> yep, that sounds like her. <laughs> and then at some point she I quit. Real Lolo. Because she said she had to go train for the Olympics, so she couldn't be there. And it's like, you knew how long the show is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're just an insane person who can't handle being here among other admittedly <laughs> insane people. Yep. <laughs> Alcohol and insane people make a bad combination, but you chose this life. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, God. Well, we're almost out of show. Um, I don't know yep. where the, the outro is. <laughs> so, we're an abrupt ending here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, until uh, next week. Although I won't be here next week, yeah. so yeah, no toughy next week. So maybe we'll have a guest. Maybe not. <laughs> Chances are probably not. Yeah, um, I'll be busy hanging out at Thanksgiving, catching COVID or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you going to Michigan or you going to Chicago? I uh, just going to Chicago. Nice. So I'll be in Oak Lawn next week. Yeah, Oakland. You'd be like uh-huh. ten minutes away from me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, we can be like the real life Larry and Mike Dell and be 10, we'll be even closer than they are because they're at least like 40 minutes apart, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Anyway. All right, well, we'll pick a movie. Um, hopefully it won't be too good or Tuffy will miss it and he'll be very sad, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You guys can have, it next week can be the Columbo Talk special. Everyone tune in. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you. You can try and power through and finish the series, and you guys can have like a whole <laughs> retrospective recap episode then. <laughs> I'll just tell my family I'm not come, like, coming to Thanksgiving this year. Yeah. I gotta watch Columbo episodes. Yeah. Six more I gotta finish. Yeah. Cramming. Just put some turkey in the fridge <laughs> for me. I gotta watch Columbo. <laughs> You better turn that football off. We're watching Columbo. (laughs) (laughs) Still as relevant as Uh, that. (laughs) We got like two minutes here. Let me ask you, because you're from the same geographic area, so I don't know if this is a geography thing or a cultural thing. Do you ever go bowling on Thanksgiving? (laughs) Uh, I don't think so. I can't say that I have. Um, I have one cousin who really loves bowling, so I'm trying to think back. He may have made us do that, but I don't think so. <laughs> okay. All right. Is I'm just curious you guys if that's do? like a Chicago thing or if that's like a Dutch thing or what. I didn't yeah, even like know like bowling alleys were open on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you do we that like bowling every year on Thanksgiving. No, right eat dinner. Uh, we eat dinner at like noon. I know some people eat later for yeah, Thanksgiving. We usually, we usually like eat, eat about lunch or like a one o'clock, I think. Yeah, eat lunch and then three three thirty go bowling. I mean, it doesn't sound bad. <laughs> so I'm being that. Yeah, it's a good time. <laughs> Where do you go? Which uh, bowling alley? Uh, depending where we're at, usually, um, the Payless Bowl on like 111th West Highway or something. Yeah, it'll be real close by me. Yeah. (laughs) Payless Lanes. Yeah. I know we've gone to like Kennedy Bowling. Yeah. I'm not that way, but Yeah. All right. Well, we got like three seconds left. <laughs> I don't know if the oh, right. it may have just ended. <laughs> so I guess until next week, pass the gin, Governor Gabby. If we're still on, on the air, which we may not be. Bye, everybody. Yeah. All right. See you, Jenk. See you, Tuffy. Have a good Thanksgiving. You too.